Hello, I'm Zach Laffey. I'm Richie Stebbins. And welcome to You Chew in the Back, your Comic Media Guides podcast. That uh, is correct. We are we are uh, recording our third episode. Third. We're already um, here. We got logos, is, too. We do. This is the, the thing, real quick, is that uh, we actually recorded uh, our first and second episodes in the same day. Yep. So we didn't actually get to hear any of your guys's uh, and, and ladies' uh, um idea or thoughts of on our, our podcast exactly now yep. so real quick before we get started i just want to say yes. thank you again oh very much giving us a shot if you're all the way up into the third podcast hey welcome for the ride uh, n- now now we're here uh we were uh you know the, when you're on a roller coaster and it goes click 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 yeah, yeah. those first couple episodes were the click yeah. and now we're starting to smoothly go up that that mountain yes. we're starting to sl- go up there so thank you yes so that that is just a quick thank you why don't we uh head into the theater but zach why don't you tell us uh where what time we're in why don't we take us back in time all right so let's uh, go back in time uh, we're going to go back to december 15th 1978 if you're going to be uh, heading to the theater you might be listening to the hit song here we go do you guys want to hear me sing you didn't bring me flowers <laughs> by barbara streisand oh. and neil diamond that is a that is a slapper it's a slapper um you know come on who doesn't know that song the great right. barbara streisand neil diamond um come on uh, i saw that and i instantly started singing that uh, when i was doing some research <laughs> um the other movie at the cineplex if you're uh, you know uh, not going to be seeing today's movie mm-hmm. uh would be midnight express uh, directed by alan parker written by oliver stone and this day in history um, officially, Jimmy Carter announced that the U.S. will recognize China. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, on December 15th, 1978. And, of course, it is the release of this great film today that we got uh, talking about, Argu- Superman. Arguably, we are at the beginning of the whole reason this podcast exists. Yes. Um, there had been uh, dabbles of superhero films, but nothing with this much earnest, with this much honesty, with this... Uh, this much risk. Exactly. Really. Yep. Um, yeah, this, it's, it's going to be an incredible, incredible journey. Um, I know, unfortunately my partner, um, Zach here, we, we couldn't find the movie, right? We didn't have a way to watch it. Like it's, there was just, you didn't have the DVDs. The uh, no. So, uh, if you, if any, if people are watching the video, uh, I have, uh, my DVD, my Blu-ray set, uh, here, and I also own it on digital. Yes. Um, and if you are looking for this movie as of this recording, um, it is available to stream on Mac. So if you're a Mac subscriber, you could stream it right now. Uh, but it is available on all digital outlets. So iTunes, YouTube, wherever you get this, this is a classic film. You can find this anywhere. Um, and again, like I said, I think uh, even the other day I was at Walmart and they're still selling Blu-rays of it. It's that sort that of a, uh, it's great. still sort of around. Yeah. Uh, Tales of the Tape, this was released December 15th, 1978. Um, director Richard Donner, although it went through many, and I'm sure we'll talk yes. about that. Uh, budget was $55 million. And again, uh, I have to reiterate, then. especially as we talk money throughout this movie, uh, it was... It was 1978, and I just said $55 million. Which is, yeah, that's a lot back then. Box office gross, $300.5 million. Uh, They were very happy with that. They were very happy with that. Holy goodness. Wow. Uh, So it's 
it's really I, I'm just so excited. I know you can't wait. You keep trying to press the button. I I uh, yes I am. Before we go into the theater, how many tickets are you buying? Obviously um, one, right? Um, uh, no, no, oh. no, no. Uh, I'm going to be buying five. In fact, I'm going to smash down the um, theater theater tickets glass and ask for a, a private give them theater. All to me. <laughs> give them all to me. I need a private theater. I need my own private showing. Um, and if you're uh, new to this podcast, you're going to find out over the time that um, uh, Rich. She may be a bit of a Batman fan, and Maybe I may a be a bit of a Superman fan. That, that when it comes true. to comic book films, uh, we we're, we love them all. That's why we did this podcast, because right. we want to talk about them all. But there are two certain characters that may bring out the kid in us. So um, the people watching on video will see it. And if you're uh, listening, I am not going to be wearing all my Superman gear, like hat and socks and all this. Uh, Richie can attest that I am not wearing all that he is indeed wearing all of that he he stops short of showing me his underoos uh he is no coded to the nines <laughs> so so uh, uh, i'm gonna get a million tickets how about you richie sorry uh, yeah i i'm 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 bringing everybody it's a five of five this is to me personally the start of uh everything i love in the movies and yes. the reason I go to theaters. Uh, uh, the top five personal comic book movie for me. I yeah. mean, I'll just uh, bring out the personal here on this one. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's go to the theater. All right. Hit play now. All right. So we should be seeing the Warner Brothers logo. And again, um, this was a huge thing back in the day for them to be... Um, oh, Jeffrey Unsworth is going to be the cinematographer. Uh, he also did 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, beautiful. The look of this movie is due to him. There is a lot of unbelievable stuff with this film, especially in look. Uh, things we never have never seen in 1978. Exactly. I mean, and I love... So, June 1938, Superman was uh, created in 1938. Jerry love this Siegel and Joe Shuster. Yep, love that this opening... Uh, very classy with the opening um, and uh, with uh, the comic book because that's where he comes from. Mm-hmm. And, and how, like, this shows you how far we've come in uh, theatrical releases for comic books. Like, this is a legit, like, this is where it comes from. There's these things called comic books. Exactly. And here's a little kid who that's what most people introduced to Superman as uh, when, you know, you're a kid. And then it fades into the. Uh, a Daily Planet here, which just, you know, again, and it's black and white. It's very classy because that's harkening back to the George Reeves TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's, for me, the the interesting thing is just being in the theaters. Like, I can't imagine being in the theaters in 78. Oh, yeah. Like, finally, if you were a, a nerd back then, you had to be quiet about it. This is still, we're not embracing, this is might be the... One time we got to relax our shoulders mm-hmm. and like go, yeah, I'm a pretty big comic book fan, you know, out in the public. Yep. Um, it's uh, it, back then for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We are coming out of an era. First of all, everybody remembers the amazing. Whoa, watch out, Dodger, Dodger. Oh Words are yes, all you. these yes. It, but the what I was gonna say is John Williams. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, Emmy nominated uh, for this. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, come on. Uh, This is... uh, A lot of people sometimes forget that it's John Williams, but it's just... uh. Well, and think about where where we're at with superheroes in general at this Mm -hmm. time. Uh, For me, it's... We just got through 66 Batman. Yeah. And it's important to note that we just got through 66 Batman because a lot of concepts for comic books at this time are camp. 
Yes. Throw all the camp you can. It needs to be just wacky. Exactly. Right? And that's what the original 500-page script yeah. <laughs> was, was a yes. huge camp fest. They even had Kojak in it. Oh, yes, uh, yes. As the character Kojak uh, in the film because it was just going to be all the yes, corniest jokes on the planet. That's what the original film was. Yes. And it was it was through a lot of problems in production, a lot of yep. money issues, that Richard Donner actually gets brought into this film, Yep, takes that script, and completely manipulates it. Exactly. And he gives it to his friend uh, Tom Mankiewicz, who mm-hmm. uh, is a writer on uh, a lot of the Roger Moore, James Bond films. So if you're, you know, wondering where some of that, that, um, that wit, that kind of, you know... Um, romancy kind of wit that comes from uh, later on in the movie a lot of that i think is him okay. and you know bringing out that say his last name again so when i bring it up i'm not murdering uh, tom mankowitz mankowitz yes okay. so yeah i have i have more information on that gentleman coming up very soon yeah uh but but like richie said there's a lot of if you look at the writers and the people he created there's a ton of people who worked on the pre-production before this ever got to filming so that's why again the credits are long here at the beginning and even at the end uh there's long credits because back then this was a huge huge undertaking and it was there's a lot of risk involved too the so we saw the warner brothers logo at the beginning the interesting thing is is warner brothers did not believe in this film as did Everyone else, no one believed in it. No, they no, they told the producers, if you want to make Superman, you can, but you got to do everything. You have to hire the director, you have to hire the stars, you have to make a script, you have to go shoot the thing. Yeah, and if something bad happens, that's not our problem. It's you. But if you give us something that we like at the end, we'll give you some money. Maybe that was what they heard at the beginning. (laughs) Yes, which is crazy. It's it's bonkers, and they actually did carry it for a while before Warner Brothers actually pitched a few a bit of bucks at them so they could get this thing finished. Well, yeah, after they yeah, and I believe they finally saw some of the stuff coming in from uh, dailies, and they yep, Mario, Mario Puzo, Puzo, the writer of The Godfather, um, and again we're gonna see another Godfather alum, Marlon Brando, coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why he's on here. He was one of the first people that they brought on. He went to DC Comics. He read a lot of the Silver Age, and I think he got really kind of um. In in that zone of the funny, goofy, silver ageiness. Yes. And then he decided to write a 500-page epic Bible script, is like kind of what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were like, oh, no, we have to make this an actual movie. And so. for, like, for reference, right, if you're going to do a film, a single film is about 120 pages. Yes. And... They had 500. They were going to film two. The whole plan was filming two exactly. at the same time. So, but that still should be like 240. <laughs> Correct. They had a saga in their hands. Exactly. Uh, directed by Richard Donner. Here we the go. Richard Donner. And so now I will tell everybody, as someone who's watched this film maybe more than once in my life, turn up your sound right here. The beginning of this is so good with the John Williams music and you see Krypton. Blasted. This is one of the times where I tell my dogs, everyone around me, uh, we're going to listen to the first five seconds of this movie super mm-hmm. loud. Uh, but I love this practical little effect here with the, you know, the sun. And uh, again, they uh, this is after 2001, so they're bringing in a lot of that. And they're trying to do every trick of the book that they could at this time to make it, you believe he can fly. It's another world. All that. It's that great. was the headline or the, the, the tagline yep. of the of the movie was you will believe a man can fly oh right here (laughs) you feeling this you're feeling this (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying you gotta yeah you gotta turn that up (laughs) he's turning it up in my head (laughs) (laughs) you have to uh blow out your eardrums out here 
Yes. So yes. good. So good. It's anyway. epic. You, there's oh. no reason to go this hard at the beginning of a film. Like, well, and I think that that's what makes it brilliant is John Williams is telling you you're in for a ride even before you... St- you're just seeing a dome. Yeah. <laughs> but he's telling you with the music, get ready to rock well, your world. This is... Here we go. This is one of the most fascinating people in this entire film for me. Yes. And um, the big uh, TV screen heads. Yes. Yes. In today's world, that those heads are villains. And in a way, they kind of are in this as well. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah. The great, brilliant actor, Marlon Brando here. The richest person on this set and the person that made the most money on this movie. You're looking at right here. And make sure you get a good eyeful. Yes. Because this will be it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> for the most part. But but uh, it basically came out to every minute of screen time he had, he got a million bucks. Right. Is basically what it, the math comes out to. Yes. For 10 minutes of screen time filmed across 12 days, Marlon Brando got um, a flat fee of $3.7 million along with a percentage of the movie's box uh, office gross. Exactly. Um, which resulted in, wait for it, again, 1978, $14 million. Yep. 12 minutes. Yep. $14 million. Oh, yeah, so basically almost a million bucks, which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> that is, it's fascinating. Uh, we got here uh, the setup for uh, part two, but also the setup of Krypton. Uh, General Zod, uh, mm-hmm. Ursa. Uh, if you've seen Man of Steel, uh, they did an homage to these guys. Yes. The great Terrence Stamp here is General Zod. And uh, you see that Marlon Brando's, in theory, right now, supposedly the better actor in this scene. Uh, and I would disagree with that based I think Terrence, on what yeah. we're about to see here. Because General Zod brings the heat. Yes, he does. The heat on this. Terrence Stamp is great. Oh, guilty. Guilty. Every time I watch this movie, I have to do that. I have to shout, guilty. 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 <laughs> I mean, I would like that in our court system. <laughs> that Just have giant heads. That would be pretty you. fun. But and, and then I love this. It's it's all you. What? Okay, I guess. Yeah. It's it's the you will kneel your heirs. The oh yeah. He is bringing it. And then Richard Donner here again. He's doing all these uh, intercutting shots of the emotion. He, that's what he's doing. He's When they're scared in here in a couple minutes, you're going to see their eyes again, and they're going to be feared. But they were um, looking defiant right there. It's little things like this that gives it real uh, realism. And the word that I want to bring up tonight uh, or today while we're doing this is verisimilitude. Uh, that is basically just the truthful of all of this. Veris. Similitude. Verisimilitude. Yep. It's a big Richard... long word. You can Google it. Exactly. I, it took me forever to figure out. Uh, yes, and, and, and I found out because of Richard Donner. That's the number one word oh, for God, this movie. Just... Oh, it's so good. Ripping it apart. Exactly. It's no, no, no. But you're right. Um, uh, it just means the truthfulness of the situation. And if there are space criminals and you are their judge, jury, and executioner, what does that feel like? And 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 um, how is that going to be acted? And that's just all that means. And that's what. Um, connects Superman even to today's comic book films before we start getting into the the, the gritty of the movie here is mm-hmm. um, you always have to have that verisimilitude in a movie. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, uh, The Suicide Squad, whatever, Peacemaker, whatever you want to pick, you have to have that. If this is real, we got to care about these people. for CG at the time. Oh, yeah, and uh, miniature effects as well. Um, and I love that, with that beam of light. 
It's mm-hmm. so good. And this design of Krypton has been, um, they've done others across comic books and movies, but this one has always kind of stood the test of time. Again, you see him be viciously, like, focused. Yep. And now we see fear. There's fear behind these badasses. Yep, because they are getting, um, the Phantom Zone is coming. So in the comics, that is another dimension where they put their criminals. In this movie, they uh, used the metaphorical pane of glass for it. But basically, they're just being sucked into another dimension where they're supposedly not supposed to ever be able to leave. And that is why they're afraid. And I love that... um, you know, they're in the pane of glass and, and the... I mean, it's still just great, a great 70s image right Phantom there. Phantom Zone created by um, Robert Bernstein. Yeah, it's so... Yeah, great stuff from the comics. Uh, and again, comics this... 283. Mm, uh, yep. And what I love about that is those are great comic pieces of, like, helping you carry on a story forever. Exactly. Oh, there's a Phantom Zone. We can just pull baddies out of that anytime. Yeah, exactly. And now, now, look at this. This is awesome. Look at these costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was made uh, using a glass-like material, like a screen-like material. It was actually painful to touch. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, and it is a reflective glass that's actually they're wearing, and that's why their their shine is so bright that it almost washes out their faces, which is, I think, a cool effect that works even now. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Just, it's just a really great effect. I can't imagine how bright it was. Well, there. and then if you notice, Marla Brando touches some people, and you know that he, A, it probably hurt, and B, the people were like, no, no. we have to redo this <laughs> yeah. all. Mm-hmm. But but I love it. And and now this is classic Superman lore. If this is your first time, you know, delving into Superman, there's always different... Um, if you watch the original uh, 50s TV show, he's sitting with the elders at a lo- big long table in the radio show. Uh, it, this is always the same. He's telling the elders the Krypton's going to be destroyed and they don't listen to him. Yes. Uh, the details are different, but it's always this. This yes. is one of the big things. And I do think that uh, Richard didn't... Uh, throw away the fact of the basically the same scenarios kind of happening where just before he had three people kind of reaching out to him saying, Hey, I need forgiveness. Like what I'm doing is right for the people. And he stands stoic. Now he's doing the same, he's doing the same thing. And he's, they're standing stoic saying no. Exactly. And that's the realism there. That's the, uh, which is what makes this movie work. I love the uh, the crests on their uh, suits, all of them. That really works, really pops. And then now we bring into our boy, say his last name again. Tom Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz. Uh, he's actually uh, giving credit for mm. uh, creating the crest. Technically, in the comic books, the Superman symbol was created on Earth. Mm. And mm-hmm. here, it's actually a part of the family crest and that was his idea and, and that's a great idea and, and it's that, been there since that since stuck there. and bled into the comics it's yep. one of the it's one of the beauty parts of having different mediums kind yes. of represent our stories that we love exactly you find a nuance and and it, it all comes together all of it is folklore all of it becomes one yep. continuous story uh, oh and it'll come up later on when we get there but some of the biggest parts of superman mythos didn't even come from the comics. They came from the radio show. Oh. Um, so, and well, that's, that is true. I will, I will, came from that too. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll be bringing that up. But uh, right here, I want to point out another little nod. They don't make a big deal out of it, but it is from the comic book lore that he was wrapped in um, 
a, a you know indestructible clothing blanket sort of thing, and those were his colors, and then they were mm-hmm. used by his mother to turn into the suit. Yes. Like I said, they don't delve into that here, but this is a nice little nod it's to nod the to uh, sure. Superman fans who know that. And I think James Gunn in the new film, uh, we're recording before that new film's out, I think he's going to do something similar. He yeah. says he's always loved that the baby blanket Kal-El yes. thing. He says he's always loved that. And I agree. Well, it connects him to his family. You yes. Know? He has another family, but it connects him to the roots uh, of his long-lost family. Exactly. Which I think is, there is a po- poetry to that. Um. And uh, love this uh, spaceship they have behind him. Love the look of the, you know, the weird uh, laboratory. Um, and Marlon Brando uh, and uh, the actress here just killing it, even though they're, you know, like you said, only in it for a little bit, but you have to. So, no matter who you are, Russell Crowe, doesn't matter. You're only going to be there for a little bit, and you got to have a But a it's wait. a very important scene, and I need yes. to, so before we lose him, let me talk about Marlon Brando, Okay. Uh, Marlon was brought into this to kind of give the give the film some legitimacy. Yes. Okay? And the irony of that is that Marlon Brando did not believe in this at all. It no. was just hokey kid stories. Um, and he's famously very difficult to work with and incredibly... Um, yeah, won't learn his lines. Yeah, he yeah. refused to learn his lines, so they wrote... Some, uh, all of his lines are written all over the stage. That's where he's reading them from. He told Richard that that's how he can bring an originalness to the to the words. Um, on that baby, on the diaper, his words are written on that diaper so he can read right here. He's reading off the baby, which is phenomenal to me. That is, Um, so, uh, but he was, let's see here. Uh, so the, I have it written here. That's the writing, Christopher Lee, but, well, oh, here it is. So, basically, uh, when they were trying to get Brando, he mm. he reached out to his agent. His agent gotcha. said, Brando is brilliant, but he's incredibly lazy. He's going to try to green suitcase it. And they went, what does that mean? And he goes, well, uh, if he can, he'll convince you that everybody should be green suitcases and he'll get paid for the voiceover. When they discussed the idea of this film with Brando, Brando said, what if... We're all bagels. No one knows what Kryptonians look like, and it would it would it would it would make sense that um, that Jarrell would know what humans look like, so he'd make his baby look like a human to send them to Earth. But they themselves could be bagels, and even pitched that they don't talk with words; they just kind of beep and zip, and oh, then you wow. could do subtitles. But still wanted the same pay. Donner, uh, in his brilliance, said. No. He went to the swath of history from the 1930s and mm-hmm. said every kid knows what uh, Jorel looks like. Yeah. And you know what he looks like? Looks like Brando. That's right. And, and, and then Marlon. And Brando then that's went, how he, he got goes, him. Did I talk too much? All right, let me see the wardrobe. And that's how we get here. But this nice. could all have been bagels. No, I mean, I, uh, Donner, Richard Donner, you hear his name a lot, but this movie does not work with him, without him on any level. The writing, I agree. The, the, the actors, the, the, the directing, everything. As much as I'm frustrated everything. by Marlon Brando, I genuinely believe that, also, this is brilliant. Um, yes. I genuinely believe without him, this movie falls. Oh, yeah. Even without his 10 minutes. So, in a way, no, does well, he deserve the money? No. <laughs> Did he kind of earn it? Sure. Kinda, yeah. Sure. 
Uh, no, it's a it's it's a very interesting conundrum. But hey, uh, and then yep, uh, setting up the crystals, uh, and uh, here we are gonna start up this uh, brutal part of the movie. Um, this is uh, you know I enjoy that uh, again Donner. Uh, goes, this is a superhero comic book film, but I told you the world's going to explode, and so those council members are going to go in a brutal way, and it's yeah. pretty... Uh... Well, and not only that, but it is also important that for a very long time, I would say that we have broken the mold now, Yeah. but this this entire film's breakdown storyboard is how you made a superhero film. Yes. Uh, this was exactly every pace was you hit the origin, you show how they're created, you give them their moment, and then they start making influence on the city. Exactly. Like that is yep. that is everything. Yeah. Um, nowadays, I think we've passed that. A lot of origin stories are kind of being bypassed, if not told in a background story. Yeah. Um, because we, as a society, have embraced comic books. Um, a lot more mainstream than exactly yeah well and and this storytelling is uh people understand and get more of like um you know uh and that's something when i was watching through this and going through the research is that a lot of the people who made this had to go how am i going to sell superman i probably should have opened the I, i've always thought this, that too right. yes they should have opened that uh <laughs> but but how do you make this superman available to the mass audience and we go oh but he's been a mass audience and he has been but like an even more mass audience than just people who are um interested in this um uh subject you know uh, if you're not somebody who read comics growing up or you didn't watch the batman show uh, how do you get superheroes and that kind of storytelling to um, break through, and that's what Richard Donner did. And over the years, now we've had, and now we can have things like Guardians and, you know, all these crazy things. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Because of this, we have everything. Yep. Um, But I love this. Yep. Uh, A lot of this is practical effects. The ship going by a second ago, and now all these people, where are you going to run? That's great. Uh, Miniature effect there. Them. uh, Yeah, everything's starting to break apart. Almost uh, Sam Raimi style here. Almost, yes. <laughs> well, and uh, Richard Donner was the director of The Omen before this. Yes, so he's not a stranger. So so I think that this is like a little horror nod, you know. And that's something I'll bring up, too, that I think that Richard Donner does really great in this movie, is that there's a lot of mini um, uh, American stories in here. There's a little bit of horror, there's a little bit of action, there's romance, there's a crime uh, story beat here in a little bit when we meet um, some of our villains. There's always these little beats. And this one is the scary, horrible, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've watched so many people like do reactions online and they go, this is really dark for 78. But hey, yeah. it's the whole planet's going to explode. So, yeah. um, And I love the silence there. Oh, yeah, that, that that was crisp. I like that a lot. <laughs> the um, Did you know about Christopher Lee being offered the role for General Zod? I did not. Yeah, he turned it down because he had moved to Hollywood to escape Britain's taxes, and okay. Superman was actually shooting in Britain. Oh, yeah. So okay. he couldn't do the, yep. the role. There it is. Yep, at Pinewood. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, and now this is another part from Superman lore. Uh, some people love it, some people don't. Uh, that he's been uh, taught and learning in the pod as he comes to Earth. Uh, in the radio show, he shows up as a fully formed man from Krypton. Mm. He is not a baby. Uh, and that is really weird when you listen to it. Uh, they've tried to do this a couple other times where he, you know, 
jumps out and he's already at like high school level, but he's like a tenth. They've yeah. done this before. I like the uh, the kids find him and that he starts learning. Yeah. But I understand this is from the Silver Age and from the comics by this time, so they are pulling from history here right. by having Jor-El teach him. I just think that it's a weird like. You know, because they're trying to do this. He's super smart before he even gets on Earth, right? Because he's learned all everything that Krypton's learned, right? And arguably, it's easier to believe that a couple took in a baby than they would take in like a terrible two-year-old, correct? That has yes. superpowers. Yeah, and who's telling you like algebra, right? And that's where I kind of get yes, but um, but it it works for this movie because they don't delve into it too much. But right. again, and um, it does. I will say that it does kind of conflict with his mild-manneredness yes. as Kent. Yes. Because you wouldn't take that in if you were raised... Uh, this is a this is a philosophical... We're going to talk about the philosophy of nurture versus nature now. <laughs> Everyone strap in. <laughs> we don't have enough time to break this down. But. Exactly. Uh, but, but again, so as you see, I uh, love that image uh, of the ship uh, melting right there. And then here we go. Now we're into this next part of the movie... Now we're into the Americana, where we're going to be getting into the uh, Kansas part of it. Yes. Which, you know, and now, again, watching this, thinking about Donner, all this to me is harkening back to the 50s. Uh, yeah. The Adventures of Superman was the big hit show. Um, that's kind of the big uh, benchmark before Superman 78 was the George Reeves show. And these guys, uh, Mara and Pa Kent, are dressed like people from the 50s. They have a 50s car. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of time melding in this movie, which I really loved. Yeah. When he's at Smallville, when he's at the simpler time, it's 50s. But when it gets crazier and more towards the 60s and 70s. He almost jumps straight to the 80s. Yes, almost, yeah. exactly. Um, and I love that. Yeah, he is in, he's absolutely in the... And you never get a year line. here for this movie. Right. But you're going, okay, so this is 50s. But no, it's not 50s. But it's not 70s, but it is, but it is. A, and it's all a melding. And I like that early... We've kind of lost that idea, but I do like those concepts of trying to make the story timeless. Yes. Because when we don't, we run into the problem that we're currently running into the MCU where... You yep. want to do Magneto, but you're like, what, what? Exactly. How yep. could he possibly be, you know, like, could he possibly be in World War II and yeah. <laughs> suffer? Like, I don't think he can. No, probably not. Um, and now we have this, uh, love this, this is again, um, very to the mythos, Mom Pa Kent talking about keeping uh, Clark, but I love this scene because they're having a very realistic conversation. Um, but then they realize they have a super uh, different problem yes. after uh, what happens. And I love that. Yes. It, it, again, the, the Kents is a hard sell. You need really good actors and a great portrayal of, like Americana, like you said, for this, this idea of like, well, we found this alien. They, they assume it's an alien based on what they found it in. Yes. And they, they genuinely wanted a kid, and it came out of the sky. Like, yep. no one's going to question that in a small town, though. You would argue that small towns would be like, where, the, where did that baby come from? Exactly. Because, again, that would also work a little bit better if it's an infant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Martha, you never showed. Yeah, I kept it secret. I was just hanging but, out on the farm. But, and and I love, yeah, oh, here it is. Um, Jonathan almost could be hurt. But, oh, what's going on? <laughs> and, 
And again, this is the realism. They're having a very real conversation. We can't keep a child. That's crazy. You can't do that in, in the world. And this is something they wouldn't address in a comic book beforehand. Because no. in the 60s, it would have been like, yeah, just make it wacky. Exactly. But here they're like, okay, we got to protect this kid. And you just kind of get it right there. You're like, okay, something is different. And now we switch to him later. And now we're again, we're kind of like in the 60s, late 50s, 60s. And we get our first look. Yep. At the legend. The good old Lana Lang. Mm-hmm. for uh, Reeve right there. Oh, well, yeah. Um, and uh, I was also going to say, yes, we see Lana Lang, which is uh, Clark and Superman's first love from the comics and in his mythos. Yes. She's not in this a lot, but uh, she's going to be showing up here in who, just who a does second. Play, uh, uh, Clark here? Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Let's find that out. Uh, but um, his voice was uh, overdubbed by uh, Christopher Reeve. Because mm-hmm. uh, they didn't like his voice, which kind of is a bummer, but it was the 70s. Uh, you may hear that a couple times throughout the, the film. There's a joke coming up later. Jeff East. Jeff East, mean? thank you. Yes. I knew, yes. Uh, right here, this is Lana Lang. And this is setting up for the internal mythology in these films for Superman 3. Uh, we'll get there, but Brad here and uh, Lana will show up again um, in a couple movies. But uh, But right here, we're just getting the sense that he's been picked on by bullies. That, uh, you know, he has a girl that he's involved, you know, the classic American story. This is this is a five-minute clip of the entire origin story for Spider-Man. Uh, pretty much, this yes. This is where we're at. Uh, pretty much, yes. And, uh, and I love, yes, and so they're picking on him, but again, we get a super moment with the uh, uh, launching of this football. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I love. If you're angry and you're frustrated... Uh, you got to have some real emotion here. And this is just subtle little things that um, Richard Donner and the writers and everybody put into this movie. Is You know, uh, he's going to kick that ball into space. I love it. Uh, this is a great little gag here, uh, you know, with the train, because he's faster than a locomotive. Yes, yeah, and... It, it, excellent pull there. It's it's They're trying to give you everything, right? Yes, and, and this is this uh, right here. Uh, that is Kirk Allen and Noel Neal from the original, um, okay. uh, uh, the original uh, theatrical serials of Superman yes. uh, from yeah. back in the day. They made a cameo. And uh, right that's there. What I was going to bring that up earlier. That for the most part, superheroes in theaters were shown in in serials. Like yep. you'd go every week and catch the half hour episode that were typically. Uh, Bred to propaganda at the time, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that was how we got our superheroes in the exactly. Oh, yeah, I mean, the yeah, uh, there's tons of Superman, Batman, um, you know, Phantom, The Shadow. There's tons of stuff that you can look up. Uh, they're fun. I'm not gonna say they're all great, but they're fun. Fun, yeah. Um, and I love this. Yep, this uh, sped up shot of if he's gonna run really fast, what you know, what would that shot look like again? That's why you had to have Donner here. He's going, okay, this is all real, and if this guy's gonna run this fast. What would a shot look like of him running in from another just the, angle? Just the touch here of the dust yep. from the other end. Yep. Excellent. Exactly. It just it's keeping you grounded as you're going to as we progress further in this film, you're supposed to be doing more outlandish things. To yes. include you will believe a man can fly. And exactly. He's laying the groundwork all the way through this movie. Exactly right. Yep. And I love Iran. Great line. Great line. And uh, now we are going to, speaking of philosophy you brought up earlier, mm-hmm. uh, we are now going to get the basically the Jonathan Kent 
all Superman philosophy yes, seen. Yes. Um, this is what it means to Never be Superman. Show your powers. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you're here for a reason. But this is done beautifully by Glenn Ford. And, uh, you know, the people seeing this, and I remember in the 90s as a kid when I watched this on VHS, this movie is very affecting, very, you know, very, um, it, it'll Can teach you. Can you remember the first time you saw this film? Uh, yeah, the, the very first time I saw it, I remember my uncle and aunt uh, had it on VHS because they would rent stuff from Blockbuster and then tape over it, and they had like thousands of movies. Right. And so it was a crappy VHS <laughs> yeah. uh, tape, and I watched it over and over again and mm-hmm. found out there was a two and a three and a four. And um, and this was one of those movies that kind of hung up at upstairs, even though it was supposed to live downstairs with right. my aunt and uncle. Um, so that was the first time I saw it and fell in love since then, and I've seen it a billion times Were since then. Were you exposed then. to the comics or the film first? Uh, the first thing was the animated show. The animated show. The anima- Batman animated, Superman, those two are going to be, you know, uh, X-Men, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of the launch board to, oh, they make comics, and then that's... Right. I'll be honest, I cannot remember the first time I was exposed to this film. Mm. It felt like it was kind of like the family had recognized it was really into comic books and they were showing what they had seen before. Sure. Um, but I remember everyone loving it. It was oh, not it's... a problem of like... It was just, it was especially before a time where we could actually make fun of or really dissect superhero films because exactly. we didn't have any. So, exactly. So I was just happy to have something that had a superhero in it. Uh-huh. And that's, yeah. Uh, now here's the sad part. Um, this is part of the mythology. Uh, I see people kind of make fun of this, like in Man of Steel and other things. Mm-hmm. Why does Jonathan or Martha or somebody always die? And it is part of the mythos, and it also has always been part of the mythos. So this is one of the philosophical reasons why I love Superman, is that Superman, more than any other superhero, deals a lot with the stuff that we deal with on an everyday basis, more than Green Lantern or Batman or anything like that. Of course, Batman deals with death and -hmm. things like that, but that has to be on a grand epic scale. When your dad dies, Mm -hmm. Superman deals with that and all of his powers, what he says here in a little bit, he can't do anything, just like a normal human. That's why um, when people say, oh, you can't relate to Superman, no, it's all about relatability. It's just the fun and the the dressing is... um, is the best, spiciest, funnest dressing you can find. But yeah. the heart is always, how do I get better? How do I do better? How do I save the people I love? I can't save the people I love. All of that stuff is in there. And we live in an era right now, especially the last couple of years, James Gunn is taking on the writing. But for yes. years before that, we were kept hearing productions say, we don't know how to do Superman. Yep. We don't know what we're doing. And you look at this and you're like, this is... This is very different um, from the Batman origin, even yes. though it has a same, it has a feel of the same. Exactly. But Batman's parents were removed from him. Yes. And it wasn't a natural cause, so no. he takes vengeance to that because exactly. as a human being, yes, Batman or Bruce Wayne accepted that his father and mother would die, yes. but didn't accept the fact that they would be ripped away from him exactly. in the beginning. Where here... Was never given a shot, never given yeah. a chance, right. never... And, Clark, and you have to deal with that. Right, and Clark has to deal with the concept that he has unlimited power. Yes. But he lives amongst humans. Yes. And has to embrace that concept of death. Um, exactly. Even with the people that he, in theory, could protect from anything else. Exactly. And he be, he finds he finds true love in not just his parents or family, but the human race in general. Exactly. Very, 
if you're a Britophile, a very Doctor Who Very, style. yes. Um, you know? Going back to the movie, I love these big vista shots where we're in the heartland of America. It's big fields. It's all this. It's not on a set. Mm-hmm. It's showing you that, you know, this is America. I feel like, th- for me, I always felt this was a nod to the radio I show. I agree with you. It's a nod to the radio show. He's got the radio playing. Um, and I love this, that the, you know, that the crystal is calling to him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also, um, we should point out, uh, Superman was a phenomenon in the 40s and 50s. Like, yes. it was something that we hadn't actually experienced um, where something got that, an IP got that much recognition yeah. uh, so quickly. No, he yeah. He was part of the Macy's Day's Parade. People, You could not make enough stuff because yep. everybody was buying everything. Exactly, oh yeah. Uh, it was unreal. It was all of Mickey Mouse history in the span of five years or ten years. And um, that's why the radio show started is because yep. it was just, it was gangbusters. It's exactly. why um, the superhero surge happened because... The publishers were like, we need more of this. That's how you get Batman. Uh, That's yep. how you get everything. Uh, during the height of the early Supermans, uh, they would sell one to three million copies each issue. Correct. The last comic in the industry was 2015 Star Wars to hit a million copies. Is yes, that right? that is right. Yes. So, and that was the number one issue and it was a big thing. Yes. Um, and that was every month back in like the 40s. Correct. So that's and crazy. It, it big. is. It's just. It's crazy truly different. something special. And at this time of the film, yeah, we are we are quite past that. Yes. You know? Superman is known. He's he's now just in the the mythos. Of yeah, in the Americana, zeitgeist. You know, but he's not sought after. Yes. And that's why this film took so long. It was actually started in 1973. Yeah. Crazy. Tiny Star Wars moment here? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the glow, yes. And uh, but look at like look at that shot. Again. Beautiful. And and this shot right here, setting this all up. This is what Clark has seen every day forever. And, and if that doesn't show you why he's trying to save everything. Yes. There is a there is a small town love that kind of makes you fall in love with existence in general when you get to see something like this all the time exactly yep and and that's and that's what he's doing here um he's he's all of this is building into the realism the verisimilitude the heart of superman in some way and uh that's why this this uh, film works i love this scene again talking about how he lost his father but if you you know if you if you're somebody who hasn't lost somebody uh, you still have to move away. You still have to leave home. You still have to go out and find yourself. He has to do it, uh, both in a find my powers and my heritage and a job and all that way. But yes. human beings have to have this conversation or this talk or this feeling or this this vibe in their life. They have to leave. And that's, again, another real thing um, that is not, you know, a fantasy right here. Correct. This shot is insane. Again, Richard Donner just bringing it like it's it it very much interests me. I would love to see what insanity that five hundred page script was and how yeah. wacky they because this is a very somber moment. It's very like yep. what are we doing next? What what is this step? And it's a little off kilter. You could see that in the background. They're talking about what's going to happen to this whole. It's distance um, from his his roots right there. Yep. You know, he's starting to leave home. He has to say goodbye to his mom, and it's just, you know, 
it's it, it it's realistic and yes it's very heightened but that's what a movie is that's what storytelling is you know uh but we've all had this moment when you leave home and you got to say hey mom or dad or whoever you've been living with i gotta leave i gotta do this i'm going to college i'm gonna get a job whatever mm-hmm. so it won't unless, be exactly like this but the feelings yeah, are there unless uh clark kent's or the kent's lived in colorado nowadays then he'd probably have to hang out here until he was around 28 that, uh, so the, yeah exactly could, uh exactly right uh, he would live in the basement living in the basement of his mom's place uh he, um <laughs> he would uh probably work at a bar brewery yeah yes oh <laughs> that's hilarious uh but again some great music here the 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 wheat and the you know the silent just the image the wheat is a kind of a representation that sticks throughout the theatrical releases of Superman. Yeah. Um, I know Snyder used it a ton. Yep. Exactly. Well, and it just, it is Kansas. When you think of Kansas, you think about the, the wheat and mm. the hills and, um, and again, it's all just great setup and the hopefulness of, uh, yep. him going to leave and saying goodbye. Just, Oh, wonderful stuff. It's, it's so good. And now we're going to have a really fun, um, uh, mixture of miniatures and sets and this idea here um uh to me is really special because you even now especially in the early days of marvel and things like that the reason we loved iron man the reason we love marvel is how much they take from the comic book and represent it on the screen Yep. the concept of the fortress of solitude to put that in as your basically precursor for batman is bonkers or for superman that yeah. is, is bonkers it's just I, you didn't have to do this no you, you didn't do this whole movie without fortress, fortress. but you know? but it makes sense because in the comics it's supposed to be his uh, place to go away from it all mm-hmm. he's supposed to learn it's supposed to be his safe place um and that's what it's used for in here and again that's daughter and the people uh, using the comics in the right ways to yeah. adapt it. It's 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 special. That's something that wasn't it 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 wasn't truly like needed or necessary. But you could tell that Donner cared. Yes, and it actually is like if you look at any interview by him, that was his. He genuinely cared about the legacy of Superman. He was yes. worried when he, especially when he read the original script, <laughs> yeah. he was very worried about like them just throwing it all away. Just being at all camp. Yes, It's easy. I'm saying this sure. as not a huge Superman fan. It is easy to make fun of or, uh, hyper exaggerate the, uh, core concepts of what Superman is. Yes, it is. But I think it takes more heart Yes. And understanding to really, truly appreciate everything it brought for us. Yes. Um, and the medium it created. And and, and core, how hard it is to get that to right. Again. Yeah. Yes. It, I've, I don't think we've seen a Superman done correctly. You, you see it all the time in, in comic books. They try to give you the all-powerful character and whatever, and they always come out as B-rate. Now, arguably, you can say, like, that's because the superhero wasn't really kind of polished but throughout the years superman has been sharpened into a really incredible tool about yes. um doing the right thing no matter what yep. being uh Hope. yeah it's it's even Hold more up. than captain america you have cap cap has a he has a hint of it yes uh he has but 
I love Captain America too. Of course, of course. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Exactly. It's, no, no. But you're right. Absolutely. Talking about that same feeling you have, it's kind of turned up to oh, eleven. Yeah. One one hundred. Yeah. Well, and and he's the, yeah. Um, he is the, um, the personification in a character, the archetype of that hopefulness, trying to be better, and um, he is one of us. Uh, he is. That's kind of the thing that people forget is that yes, to make the story work, he's an alien. But in actuality, he's just one of us who has to deal with everything. But he can handle more because he has these extraordinary powers. And this is an incredible set piece. Unbelievable. Great. Oh. I, I am taken back by it. I don't care that it looks like the things that Fraggles eat. It is... It <laughs> Fraggle really Rock. Is, it is really, really cool. Oh, especially yeah. Because it feels alien. It feels... Mm-hmm. And, and back then, they had to build that set, so none of that is CGI, that is yeah, all glass and plastic yeah, and all of that. on stage. And the other thing I wanted to bring out, too, was that uh, we are about 45 minutes into this movie, yeah. and we still have not seen Superman. Nah. And I love that because, you know, in today's world, if somebody says, you got to wait 45 minutes, maybe an hour, to see Superman, mm-hmm. that's how, you know, why would you do that? But this is the first time... To do this is setting it up, bringing this all in, bringing it in for a new audience, bringing it in for the, you know, and and, and laying all that groundwork that we talked about. Our previous um, film that we watched, the last podcast, uh, takes from this setup. Mm. It takes the original idea of an origin setup and it doesn't give you Iron Man for a while. It's because of this film that that, something like that exists. Exactly. That's why they did that that way. Yep. Oh, and here we go. Uh. Uh, Jor-El's going to come talk to him on um, early uh, FaceTime. Yes, that's right. Cryptodian FaceTime. Uh, play an old video. And as you can see, uh, they use some of him, but they also use that mask. Yes. Uh, because I think, like you said, they had him in for a couple of days just... Got all of this and used That's what it. they could. Yeah. They, they, it was um, his, him and Gene Hackman actually filmed early. They were the mm-hmm. first because they were obviously committed to other pieces. Um, so they sense. were the first yep. to be filmed. Yep. That, oh, yeah. And we haven't gotten to Gene Hackman yet. I can't wait for it. <laughs> Love boy him. Gene's coming. Uh, but again, uh, this is exposition. Uh, some people really hate exposition, but you always have to have it in a story. It just depends upon how you do it. So um, this works because it's his, you know, it's his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're understanding that he's, you know, getting all this unloaded on him, just like we as the audience are getting it on. So that emotion is real. It's not like um, a weird obtuse. Some guys like you know Superman, blah blah. blah. Nothing like that. It's. Uh, so there's good ways of doing exposition in bad ways. So I just wanted to, you know, this may just seem like a talking head, literally, but yeah. it's uh, uh, pretty well done. You and I uh, talk a lot about Batman v Superman. It's still one of my favorite films in existence. Yes. Um, we have Love a, it. a podcast on a different show where we, we broke this down like we did here. They ignore this concept of exposition. They kind of assume that you know where Batman is at his point in his life, where Superman is. That's true. And they clashed. And that was a huge disconnect in the masses while watching it. So hopefully you see this and you go, oh, that's kind of hokey. But honestly, this was a true time where nobody... Yes. Like, Superman was for kids. It was not supposed to be taken this seriously. Exactly. And um, 
instead of having like the scene where he goes, oh, dad, I can't believe I found you, blah, blah, blah. Just like us, he's going to get all this information unloaded and now we're going to get into this melding of time. He's being told what all his powers are and how it's going to work. Yep. That way we can all understand why he can do the things he's doing. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Love, this is very 2001, very 70s with all the glitter and all that. They're very fun. Doing its thing. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But again, I love the setup uh, here that we, you know, Superman went away found himself and now he's ready to take on the the big old uh, the big old world mm-hmm. oh yeah look at that that theme every time it comes up every single time <laughs> i can only imagine seeing this in 1978 as a kid so uh, i keep, I like keep a, going to that every time i sit and watch some I, I do that with a lot of films that are older i just constantly go back and go can you imagine yeah, I mean, and I know what it's like to watch Endgame for the first time. Exactly. I was yes. There. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if you, yeah, you saw Dark Knight in the theater. That's mm-hmm. that same kind of feeling. But if you're, you know, and this movie is is hugely influential. Um, if you find out about comic book creators, you find out about other uh, filmmakers. Um, this is a huge film. Uh, people like, uh, you know, we got uh, Jeff Johns talks about this film. Uh, we got... Um, is this before or after John Byrne? This was before John Byrne. So do you think John Byrne took from this? Theme? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A, a lot of what he did was was his um, retort to yes. this movie. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, Kevin Feige, I mean, you know, you name it, James Gunn, you name some people. This is a very influential movie because it gives mm-hmm. you that, that, that blueprint for truthfulness. No matter what else you have in this movie... It has to be truthful. Boom. Here he is. And I love this. You see him, he's still far away. It's not a hero shot. He's not, there's not an explosion. No. He's not picking up anything. He's just flying towards camera, and then he's leaving. I need you guys to stop for one second and understand how bonkers that was for anybody in 1978. To watch a dude fly across the room like that. Yeah. There was uh, nothing like that. Exactly. Uh, P- yeah, uh, when you listen to interviews with some of these comic creators and filmmakers, they talk about... They sat there, and that was the minute their minds were blown, and they're like, okay, what is the Superman movie going to be? That is very opposite of now today, where the flight is the easiest thing you got to show us. Yes. But this is this is a lot of the special, special effects here are groundbreaking. Exactly. And now we're in Metropolis, and if you notice, now we're into a more modern 70s look. Yeah. Um, they're going to be talking about crime. The whole tone and... of the film has changed. Yes, uh, n- now we have cameras, and everyone's wearing 70s fashion, and, you know, uh, it's still timeless, but it is, you know, they're still trying to meld all that and make it, make it uh, not just a 70s movie. It's our Lois and our Yep, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, and I was going to bring this, I talked about this earlier, uh, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and a Kryptonite were all... Uh, created on the radio show and then brought into the mythos. Lois so, Lane? And, uh, uh, per- oh, Perry. Perry, uh, Perry and White Jim- and Jim- Jimmy Olsen. Gotcha, yeah. uh, Jimmy Olsen, uh, there was a copy boy in the Daily Planet that was unnamed, but they named the kid Jimmy Olsen in the radio show. Ah, got And it. then they did that, yes. Uh, no, Lois Lane's been there since since the beginning. But again, like going to your point earlier, 
Um, up there he is. There's Christopher Reeve. There we see he him. Is. That's my boy. Yep. I'm just excited about Christopher Reeve. Oh, yeah. I love him uh, so he's much. The be- he's another. Richard Donner and Christopher Reeve are the two reasons this movie works. Yes. Uh, the most. So, Everyone has to bring their A game, but those two, that's mm-hmm. the reason why. And again, this is great here. He can't open this piece of this glass. Wonderful. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh. And he's such a klutz. It's wonderful it's wonderful everything about this the quintessential clark kent is what you're watching right here yes it is any anytime i'm judging a clark kent it's based off of what our boy chris it's, it's so good this is not sylvester stallone arnold schwarzenegger charles bronson al pacino dustin hoffman james Kahn, or robert redford no it is not all who were offered the Wow, crazy. Part uh, and again, Donner was smart to not pick any of those guys. That would have been weird. The studio wanted a name. Yeah, sure, of and course. Of course all of did. those names were action heroes that, like, Sylvester was on the top of the list because Rocky had just come out. Sure. Obviously a muscular build, things that could work. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around of, like, Hey, Lois, I'm going to help you out, Lois. <laughs> I don't think I can do hey, that. Hey, Lois, Lois. <laughs> we did Lois. I, That's amazing. But... but it was Donner that wanted a no name. Yeah, and, and he and it works on a a hundred and seventy pound uh, Christopher Reeve. And wow! Now here's the crazy part because I'll tell you, I am a dummy, and I absolutely thought, oh, they went with the descendant of the original Superman, George Reeves. <laughs> and my 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 good friend here, Zach, yes. looks at me and goes, "No, Richie, no." <laughs> They're, they're not related. And I went, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> he says, no, no, it's it's Christopher Reeve and yes. George Reeves. Yes, exactly. Yes. Those are two different last names. They are not related. No, it's just a coincidence. Years old. <laughs> today years old. I know, that's I part of that the weirdness. People. Yeah, that's part of that. And then two, uh, we won't get into it here, but two very sad things happened to both actors. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the quote-unquote Superman curse came from, basically from the 50s all the way till like the 2000s. Yes. Uh, because a lot of the people who worked on Superman as Superman, something happened to them. Uh, it's been disproven now with Henry Cavill, Brandon Routh, yes. um, all these other people. But back then, um, yes, it's it, it was it was kind of a crazy, weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. But and, and again, I love this here. She's um, very 70s. She's talking about... Um, She's talking about very adult things in front of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, and it's like, wow. But but Clark's going to bring it back right here by saying swell, because that's the kind of person that he is. And I love that. Swell? Yeah. Yeah. And even back then in the 70s, it was it was a hard thing to say swell. And even now, it's really weird. But mm-hmm. I would say, I would say that that is still one of the only words you can associate with Superman in today's yeah. world. Yes. If I see a swell in a comic book, I'm not going to lose my mind. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because nowadays you can't say, like, as if. <laughs> that seems very old. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wonderful. And I love how nice he is to everybody, but that he keeps getting ignored. Well, he's he's basically in the idea of New York, where no one yep. no one's got time for you. He's it's very opposite of his Kansas upbringing. Oh, and now here's the, uh, another iconic scene. If you've seen Wonder Woman, or if you're waiting to see Wonder Woman at a later date, uh, there's an homage to that in this yes, uh, to the scene. 
They um, actually do the alleyway scene in a bunch of stuff. Like they do. The Watchmen was uh, a one that I can remember. Uh, obviously, Batman's. In yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, this is, uh, again, going to be a... And this kind of sets up to what's going to happen uh, throughout the rest of this film. There's going to be real situations like this mugger. Superman's going to handle it his way. Mm-hmm. And Lois Lane and everyone else is going to handle it in their own way. But this is basically the movie. Superman's going to protect us. Superman's going to save the day. But it's going to be fun. There's going to be thrills. There's going to be action. And there's going to be some laughs and some romance. And that's all in this one scene. For the few scenes that they did film in the States, this movie was actually taking place in New York during uh, the city's famous 1977 blackout. That's crazy. The New York Daily News was only able to continue publishing through the blackout because the producers let the paper actually use their generators. So they uh, can continue. That's to awesome. And uh, and then this is see and again this is a, such a great uh, touch. Oh, it must have fainted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fainted. <laughs> but then here it is. The little uh, we see that he caught the bullet. Little uh, the little smile and the throw. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. It's just that confidence. That that smile. That. Mm. I love that. <laughs> now what? The... But again, Clark Kent and Superman, you know, given a little... Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about this movie and that I, I realized this go-around while taking notes, mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed that Richard Donner didn't take away Superman's confidence. When he's Clark Kent, he's not... But even when he's Clark Kent, there are moments... Yeah. Of confidence. And sometimes people, when they write him, just make him always the bumbling guy. Right. But there needs to be a moment where he's bumbling, bumbling, bumbling. And then somebody's like, you know, um, I don't care about getting your order right on food. And he's like, no, that's really important. Right. And that's like a weird like thing to take a stand on. But that's what Superman would. And they do that a lot throughout this movie. It's 100%. those very subtle jabs the here and there. The bumbling guy is an act. Yes. It is an act that's happening. He's moving. He can move as fast as he wants. Uh, great Ned Beatty here playing Otis. Um, uh, our younger listeners may recognize him as the evil villain bear from Toy Story 3. There you go. Um, that was uh, Ned Beatty. Uh, love him in this. A huge star at you know with this uh, mm-hmm. uh, at this time. And uh, right here, what I was mentioning earlier, yes. how there's like little different movies this is like a little crime movie um and richard donner would go on to do the lethal weapon movies so the scenes with the two detectives feel very (laughs) 80s crime even though it's only for a couple of scenes and that i i love that you brought that up because a lot of this feel this is in 78 so we're a couple years away from the 80s but there's a huge early 80s feel to these films and i i blame that on richard donner because he i think he he helps build that mood, yes. especially theatrically. Yes. Um, yeah, and so uh, we got this one detective going after Otis, and yes, this is a very funny scene, but uh, we're going to find out just how evil Lex Luthor is yes. uh, by the end of this, which, again, I love. It's setting the tone. Everything needs to set a tone. These cops are really going after a criminal mastermind. They're really searching for him. Uh, but it's Otis. He's hilarious. Ned Beatty's killing it with this um, comedy performance. There's a secret underground lair, and if you get 
caught in an underground lair, what terrible thing could happen? And that is what happens in this movie here in about a couple seconds. But I love that. That thinking there is, again, to that verisimilitude, the truth about this. He has a crazy underground lair next to a train station. Cops were coming to look for him. How do you get rid of them? What is a truthful way? Uh, Ray gun? um, uh, Sharks? No, just push them in front of the train and call it a day. lasers? Yeah, exactly. No, no. just push them in front of a train. And so there's that balance. And Richard Donner, if I remember right, had done 007? movies before this no he did uh well he he did the omen before the this omen. Okay. yeah okay. yeah um and then after this he did lethal weapon conspiracy theory uh with uh julia roberts uh, he's he's yeah he's fantastic love his stuff um but yeah love that this little uh hideaway little door uh and and i also want to it is jokey and funny but the the interplay between ned Beatty and Gene Hackman is so good because you got to get that comedic timing. All of these three are just so good. I would with argue. That. I would argue that the Gene Hackman's henchmen are the reason that the producers would allow this movie to continue f- going forward because mm. they're bringing all the camp. Yeah, all of it is in these two characters. Yes, and Hackman is just playing. He's going to play to the nines. He's going to do his own Gene thing. Gene famously yeah. uh, would not shave his head. And refused to wear a bald cap. Yep. And chose uh, instead that he would make it as if this person would constantly have wigs. That was his take. Yes. On, on the yes. Idea. And and I have no problem with that because here in a second or later on in the movie you're going to get some nods to what it is. But we don't even get to see him. We just see his hand. No, just first. the hand, like an evil, evil mastermind. And then after he kills somebody, then we get. Um, to see who and now here's here's the truth of the comic book industry right that was campy as all get out right it was a hand that pressed a button and then it was a wall that punched out with like a like a spring that's looney tunes right sure but it killed a man in front of a train yes and that is comic books yes there is your that is the sweet marriage yes and there is the realism of he got obliterated <laughs> yeah. and there's only his hat left that didn't even stop the train no, no. metropolis trains run on time that's there's, right they continue that dude's dead just flying down it's fine i gotta get to work and here we go miss tess mocker one of the great one of the great names of yes. a henchman fellow villain girlfriend however you want to say it mm-hmm. it's so great gene just chewing up every scene he's gene in. hackman is so great and that's the thing that i love is you know people talk about um him here and yes he is chewing the scenery but he also like i said he understands that superman is has lex, those is lex not going to chew the scenery of course he, he is. of course he is but he still has those moments, just like Superman does. Superman has real, honest, heartful moments of truthfulness and goodness. And Lex needs to have honest-to-goodness moments of darkness, evil, um, messed-up uh, things. Cold. It doesn't need to yeah. be that way all the time. Um, and that's why I think this movie works and why it all works together, is because he's doing that. He is doing what Christopher Reeve's doing. He's a regular, crazy human being with some really dark, evil moments. Absolutely. And and Superman is a regular, nice, bumbly dude with great, super-heroic moments. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they're playing off each other. It's not just, um, you know, he wears a suit, bald, has a nice um, studio or whatever like that. It's, no, I, I, I... They're using the acting, which they had to back then. Agreed. There, there has to be a lot of acting because, like you said, that's all they have to use in this time period. Um, and 
and the coldness that comes from Gene and when he does those vicious acts yes is what's brilliant about that's the core of the Lex character exactly yes so and that's why when people are like oh you you don't like the Gene Hackman do you and I go there are real moments of Lex Luthor wanting to destroy Superman in the world and there are real moments this is a different take where he's you know chewing the cedar and he has an apartment uh, with a swimming pool underneath the train station uh, that's not uh, later on in the 80s, like you brought up John Birdie, he becomes a businessman and he has, you know, corporate entities and offshore holdings and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But at this time, this is the most realistic, but also the most fun and outlandish. Uh, they, you know, made the Superman villain, which which I like. As long as Lex has a moment or has the core and the, you know, the sick, demented mind, like Superman says later, then I'm fine. Mm-hmm. If he's totally loves Superman, loves everything, and is not against Superman, then yes, I'll have a problem with that. But <laughs> right. but but Gene Hackman is a hundred percent anti Superman throughout this film, so that's that's fine. I have a proposition for you. Okay. I need you to make this decision. All right. You gotta choose Gene Hackman. Okay. Or you choose um I'm spacing his name right now. Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Thank Gene you. Hackman. You're Gene Hackman all the way. Absolutely. Right. Not even a that was that was quick, no man. because no blink. because I I know that if I was going to bring back Gene Hackman and he was going to be his younger self and we were going to do another movie, mm-hmm. I could ask him to go. Hey, you know those crazier, darker moments? Do more Let's of that. Into that. Yeah. Yes. And Jesse Eisenberg, I think, just did. He's a good actor, of but course, he does yeah. his own thing. Well, and it was Snyder's version of that. We're not Correct. talking about that, Correct. but I yes, just was yes. interested in what you're, like, right off the bat, you're, okay. This is more, this is more leaning into the, he thinks so high of himself. He mm. always is thinking through all these different plans. Um, he is not just playing basketball, feeding Jolly Ranchers to people. Watch, um, <laughs> watching, um, watching this, it, you can really see how much of the land was laid yes. for when Tim Burton does Bat. Oh yeah, in '89, and yes. dec- almost a decade later. Yep, or actually a decade and some change yeah. later. Uh, Eleven years later, yeah. yeah. He almost beat for beat. He's almost. doing. Yep. He's doing like all right. Well, now and we have a and new Tim scene. Burton got the right notes from this. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to have a sp- specific, realistic look. Uh, we talked about Jeffrey Unsworth at the beginning of the film. He was the cinematographer. He's the person who does all the lighting in these films. The cinematographer is. And so when you look at this movie and you see all this haze and you see this glow, that is all him. He's adding things to the lens. He's making them look that way. He's making them brighter. Whatever the technical stuff is, all this haze is him. And if you look at some of the later Superman movies where he's not um, filming it, you could definitely tell. But it's that that haze, that feeling. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it it all has to come together. Uh, it has to, the music, the acting, the 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 photography. All of this has to come together to make this work. And if you're off on those, that can be weird. Um, oh, we are now going to be entering into one of the the most iconic scene yeah. in this film. And and the reason it's the most iconic scene is that again, we're going to look at this and go, all right, this kind of that that happens. But in 78, people were like, did you see that scene? Exactly. This was the first time where somebody says, we need Superman to grab a um, helicopter and put it back after it is crash landing. And you just say that. 
you can do it in a cartoon, you can yeah. do it in a comic, you could do that with some panels. But this was the first time that somebody said that. And whether, you know, it, whatever you think of the, about the effects now, this looked real. And that was a huge, huge mountain to climb. Yes. Uh, just that realism. Whether it looks better nowadays, of course, that's yeah, different. That's but totally different. But to make it look real and to make somebody go, that man caught a helicopter, that one second was all they were trying to capture. And, and they, they did, did it. it. And that's the big, it, yeah. that's, that's it, why they needed to do it. it. Actually, their flight, their flight early screens that they were doing yeah. were um, actually awful. They were terrible, and they couldn't figure out why. And it was actually Christopher Reeve, uh, with his background in aerodynamics, he went to college for that, uh, who kind of would lean. And he showed how, if he were to fly up, he'd, he would do the, his whole body yeah, would great. turn. Yep. And that changed everything. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. It makes it look real. It makes yeah. you feel, yep. And that's even when Warner Brothers said, okay, we are going to throw money at you, again, because of Christopher Reeve. It's so good. Um and then, again, uh, one of the things I love about, um, well, ultra films and also, I think, well-made films is that why is she in a helicopter? Earlier on, we found out that she was going to get onto a helicopter to go to the President's, to Air Force One, to uh, be one of the journalists there. Well, but now this, uh, air, you know, her helicopter is... Um, is malfunctioning. Here we go. We're just, we're going to let uh, you enjoy this. This is very iconic. I remember talking so many times over the years with comic book fans about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a famous line is going to be shown yeah, here. The line is what I get every time. There's two lines from this that I always come to. It's this and then the one about the suit. Yes, yes, yep, 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 I love, yeah. So, and again, um, we're building up. We're building this up. Uh, something's hanging off, a uh, helicopter's hanging off the tower. People are looking. Sirens are coming. People are screaming. Superman doesn't just jump in and save the day. This is all build up. He doesn't even know it's happening until he leaves the... Like, again, this is all build up, and it's giving you that anxiousness of making it real. Because if he just showed up the instant something went wrong, then it would be very fake. And again, these shots, the way this is filmed, is stuff we see today. You know? All of this type of tension, uh, everything about this is what we we know as comic book movies like this has to happen if you're going to do a comic book film exactly you can compare this to everything else you've ever seen if it doesn't have one of these bits you could argue that it's not quite a superhero film exactly and now uh here is a little bit uh, because he used to the old joke was superman changed in phone booths and even back then in the 70s the phone booths were like cut in half like that so that was a no our superman's not going to uh change in a phone booth but we're going to do something different uh love that it was jeffrey unsworth by the way that i was thinking of Mm. um he died during post-production while working on tests for director roman polanski but the fortress of solitude was constructed by um shepperton studios uh, there and, it is. And at, oh, man, it's a <laughs> Love so that. Good. Love that. That's a great scene. And then, um, but he's the one that designed that, and uh, he worked on. So the Fortress of Solitude was built on 007's slot. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yep, yep. Yeah, because I knew they were at Pinewood, which is where, uh, and they were filming this when Star Wars came out. Can you believe? Who's got you? <laughs> the classic line. But again, um, putting these people in here, I can't believe this, this is happening, makes it all real. Mm-hmm. And 
there's enough examples out there of how you can do this exact scene and make it bad. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. Those are easier to find than the ones that work. Oh, yeah. And you know what helps us a lot? The music. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) You hearing that in the background? You're like, I don't care. Show me any crazy stuff. I am in. Thank you, John Williams. Whatever it is. John Williams really does uh, uh, help a lot of movies out. When you just watch them, if you've ever seen, like, Mm -hmm. when they take the music out, yeah, it's huge. But good old Daily Planet there. This is a classic scene. He's going to give the classic line. New York Daily building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Christopher Reeves filling out that great, great line. All right. Uh, statistic, uh, Superman's there bulked out in his outfit. He gained 25 pounds of muscle wow. to get this. Um, he assured Richard Donner. Because Richard was like, I love you, man, but like, you gotta, you're a scrawny. Yeah, when you see this, if you see the screen test, uh, there's some behind the scenes you can find on YouTube and, and on these... Uh, behind the scenes and he's really um skinny has uh, armpit sweat it's <laughs> yeah. hilarious uh now i love this because this is also in the comic and it's for us he's out now he saved somebody he saved the reporter he's now superman so he's gonna go around town in the world and stop crime and again these scenes don't work without christopher reeve he is he's making you believe that he's not just sitting on a thing in front of a green screen you exactly know? yes uh, yeah, oh, this is classic. The guy going up the um, the side of the uh, mount of uh, the to building. Me, this is a this is a dig at the '66 Batman. This is a this is a yes. Hey, you wanted camp? Here you Here go. Here you go. Because this is very much them climbing up the building. <laughs> this is yep. Climbing up the building, meeting a celebrity. This is a villain climbing, meeting a new celebrity. That's hilarious. Called yep. Superman. Yep, I love it. See, and there's all yeah, and that's and that, there's so much going on in this movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> and then uh in a second here we're gonna see the guy in the building uh when he catches him and again that's those little realistic moments yes going down <laughs> no no <laughs> Not even going to turn around. He's got taxes to do. He's and when you're a kid, you go, huh? And then when you're an adult, you have one of those days. You go, yeah, yeah, I've had that. I've, I've definitely <laughs> had that happen. Yeah, I've been at work and went, don't care. I, oh, I think I saw Superman. That's uh, a bit a day. <laughs> I would listen to this man. It's so honest and earnest. But there, right there, he's taken off. You know, yeah. and back then. It may not look as seamless today, but back then, you wouldn't have ever thought that he could do that without wires. There's not a single kid that went to that movie that didn't try to jump in the air and put his fist up to try to fly. And again, gritty, dark crime movie right here. All of a sudden, we got guys in masks, we got the... Another another Tim Burton pull from this is that this just random car's driving and guns are just firing at it, just aimlessly. There's big, yeah, they're breaking stuff and all this... But again, Superman's going to put a kibosh on all this, and and I love that. There's like all these mini like movies where it's like, oh, this is going to be a gag heist. Oh, he stops it. Oh, there's a jewelry heist. Oh, he stops that. And if you don't think that 
like okay, I've been I've bring, been bringing up Tim Burton. Yes, but let's talk Sam Raimi and Spider Man. Oh yeah, do you see all? The, oh absolutely, do you yes. See it all? It's all here. Oh yeah, all you here. gotta have the connections to the city. You gotta have the verisimilitude. You gotta have mm-hmm. uh, the lore. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just it's a it's a core concept that was brought to. It, we don't have anything without this movie. It exactly, be, it can't be understated. And this is the, yeah exactly. I love it that's so why much. that's why when people if you watch it now and you go some of the effects look or cheesy or whatever, it's like I understand that, but. Uh, Literally, the Marvel Cinematic Universe wouldn't exist without this movie because this showed you how to make it realistic. Um, just like this, if he's going to stop these guys, he doesn't care about this guy coming up behind him with a... Classic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and here we go, we talk about, like, because everybody talks about why did they make the comic book, gr- or why did they make the comic book movie gritty and things like that. But we have, here we have grittiness and then they lighten it up and then they go grittiness and they lighten up which i believe that james gunn yes knows how to do if you're watching any of his films i know the taiko waikiti he does he knows how to do that yes um and that's what you can lose if you take it too seriously yes yeah too seriously or too or um, too campy yep you gotta find a have to find and that's why i think there's a beauty in the comic book film absolutely because you have to find that line one and, way or the other, yep. Thor Ragnarok went a little too high in the camp. Yep. And, you know, whereas exactly. Thor Ragnarok, pitch perfect. Yes. You know? And yep. it's, it's not anyone's fault. It's no. just that's a tough line that's to That's a tough line. That's what you got to get. Uh, Superman that. saving a cat from a tree. I'm going to pet my kitty uh, right here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I have my cat right next to me uh, as we record. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it was the 70s for this uh, little... Yes. A little, and uh, Superman came. Yes, but it also that that illustrates that there is no job too light for Superman. Exactly. You know, when, yes. when he says this is a job for Superman, he means anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I love this. And again, um, s- stuff is happening in the background, and it's not just happening in the story. Uh, because they talked about Lois Lane had to get an Air Force One to go onto the president's. Uh, Press Corps, they talked about this. They never showed this, but now we see that the airplane took off without her because of the earlier yeah. incident. She was and late, now, couldn't make it. And now they're going to go down, and Superman's going to save them. It's, in a way, it's really good because Lois would have some serious problems with flight in Absol- one night as two things happen. Absolutely. Well, and again, if you put it on paper, it is very coincidental that both the helicopter and her next, Mm -hmm. but for the movie, it works and you're going, oh, all this is happening in the background while Superman was saving her. These guys were taking off Mm -hmm. and then this happens, Um, even though it's all sets and it's all actors and it's all this, it's all, this is how you make it feel real and it's going to, don't look, just fly. Yeah. I love this line, too. It is... Oh, he uh, salutes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Waves. Okay. Oh, so good. Don't, uh... Don't look. Just fly. <laughs> Just fly. Everybody's going to be looking out the window if you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. And and again, I you got to point out that guy, that one little scene, 
was so huge because that was realistic and that brings you into if you're somebody in the theater going superman sully that's not real yeah. you're just like that guy and that's how you would react and so you go oh maybe that you know it's yeah. just all breaking some of that down mm-hmm. um all back when you could watch tvs at the front of an electric store an electronic store mm-hmm. uh miss tasmacher uh, one of my favorite jokes in the entire film is going to be coming up here in a couple minutes. I used to do it for customers or just uh, mm-hmm. all the time. The ridiculousness of his lair. I love the lair, it, yes. It's wonderful. Um, the the movie screen backgrounds, the pool. <laughs> but again, they can't go anywhere because they're criminals. So they want to go to these places. There's the hints at the wigs. Yep, exactly. And... Uh, and that, and I love that. That's fine. He, you know, if he wants to be vain and have, that's fine. Yeah. And he's wearing a bald cap right now, and there's no yes. hair coming yeah. out. So it's a, uh, it's very right. subtle. It's very subtle. Which is the way you need to go. Some things can't be subtle. Some things you have to hit on the head. The heart, the love, the romance. But then some of this other stuff mm-hmm. is what makes it. Right here, I love this. The writing on here, the acting. And I, yeah. <laughs> gladly. That's Lex. Otis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time, every time you go, <gasps> every time I die laughing, ever, yes. uh, it works every time for me. Um, but again, that's that writing, and I think that that, like, that's, I think, is a Tom Mankiewicz scene. Um, yes. I don't think he's no longer with us, and, you know, probably won't break it down that in-depth, even if he were still with us. But um, but that kind of fun, that kind of, it, it really works. And then this, right here, a newspaper office. Um, back in the day, you'd have to have, like, a daily meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Chief. And don't call me sugar. I love that earlier, too, that, that line. This is, uh, real quick, I'll talk about uh, Margot Kidder, who is our Lois Lane. Yep. Um, she, they, they, they interviewed thousands yeah. of Lois Lanes, and it was actually Margot Kidder's, uh, Kidder's uh, clumsiness that got her the role. She came in and stumbled, she tripped, and was like, just, su- and Donner fell in love with her. Hey. He found out that she actually can't see great without her contacts. So she'll bump into stuff and be, like, kind of clumsy. And so it was at that point that they made it, she wasn't allowed to wear her contacts. <laughs> of course. During certain scenes, so she sure. would kind of bumble around and just be Lois. And uh, I just thought it was a, it's uh, a great, It works. It works. Margot's performance here actually kind of solidifies a, a little bit of what Lois Lane is now. Yes. She yeah. still holds well, a bit of that history, especially yeah. with the... I can't spell, I, you know, yep. I'm kind of clumsy, that kind of stuff. Exactly, and that is all from the comics, and that's all from the lore, and, and I, I love that. she just carries all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I've liked Margot Kidder and other stuff, but honestly, this is her, this was the role, this is gonna, this was the one where she, get, you know, just, just brought, it was just so great. Uh, now we are also entering into um, another famous scene, uh, the romance scene. But you gotta have this. You know, you gotta have a little bit of romance. You gotta connect these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you gotta, uh... 
set them up. And again, earlier I talked about exposition. Lois Lane is going to be giving exposition, but she's also going to be learning, and she's also going to be flirting, and there's a lot happening in this one scene. Huge scene coming up. This is, I mean, helicopter scene may be second to the scene that this is. Uh, the 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 uh, helicopter scene's the big action scene yes. that kids and people remember. But this is going to be the scene that, for the heart and the... Um, this is why uh, women love it, men love it, old people love it. It's the heart, the, the, the romance, the connection, the Superman Lois, the stuff that's been working forever. Uh, you got to get this stuff right, and that's what this uh, little scene is. And I, it's great. The progressiveness of him being against cigarettes Huge. in '78, back then, very Huge. big. Uh, the other thing I was—I don't think I mentioned—is that he was scrawny, mm-hmm. but as you see, he's filled this out. Yes, his he... muscle was gained. They didn't have bodyguards or uh, bodybuilders, that is, that were spec- yeah, specific make... for superheroes. Like sure, Hugh Jackman has a actual. Yeah, oh yeah, he has whole people, yes. Uh, They just grabbed a a guy that was on set, and he might have played Darth Vader. Oh, David Prowse. Yes, David Prowse was his his workout buddy, basically. That's amazing. Darth Vader helped Superman get buff. So we have uh, David Prowse thank for Darth Vader and Superman. That's correct. I love it. The presences of both, yes. That's amazing. Um, And again, we're getting some exposition. This is very flirting. Hey, I like cheeseburgers. What do you? Okay. <laughs> Again, very, very. This is a little risque. It like, is. It is very risque. And, but, but, but I love that because, and even as you can, you know, uh, as you can attest to over the years, they've done romance scenes and love scenes, and some people really do not like seeing Superman. Um, talk about or get involved with this but this is part of the human experience this is part of it and he wants to fall in love with his soulmate and so that has to be the best coolest most extraordinary version of that right and i also like that lois is kind of putting on the moves first absolutely because that's lois lane like and and yeah it's not super forward here but in 78 this is pretty very this is very forward yes pretty aggressive Oh, right here, yeah. I was going to say, one of the sexiest lines in this movie, and you did not think you were going to have a sexy line, um, is coming up here in a second. This is made of lead. Then, it's so good. See, again, but that was set up. It wasn't just said, oh, I can't see through lead. They did that minute. Correct. (laughs) walks away it's pink and then do you like pink bam yeah sex come on come on come on i mean that's that's like the sizzly moment lois Um, putting it out there uh (laughs) i thought about chris uh pratt in avengers am i supposed to say (laughs) that's a different movie but yes krypton with a cr no with a kry which, uh, which, funny enough, is the way to do it. And again, more exposition, and Marlon Brando didn't want to say it the original first way, and it, that was kind of like a spell out here, and it's all kind of... Yes, if you listen, we didn't mention it, but if you listen to him at the beginning, he goes, Krypton. Krypton. It's Krypton. And you're like, what? I can imagine just Richard, like, can you just say Krypton? Never mind. You know what? Never just, mind. He, that it's was fine. good enough. 
That was good enough. Krypton one time. Don't let him say it again. Exactly. Yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> again, jokes, good jokes, funny great. jokes, adult jokes. Not only great jokes, but true. But true, like, true. Yes. Everybody likes to talk. I mean, Superman has been in the limelight of like a, being a political problem even as recently as let's call it six years ago sure you know yeah although there's always something going on yeah and lois is already already like oh you want to fight for the american way you're gonna fight every politician on the planet yep there it is Um, great line great line so this scene was already written when they were screen testing so um they tightened it and made it this brilliant for the movie, but you could see some of the screen tests with some of the other Loises and some of the other Clarks yes, yes. of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could see that you got to have good writing because some of that flirtatious there was there, yes. but you just had to get the right people to make that sizzle. Make it work. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, someone says, oh, do you like pink? And someone goes, uh-huh. It's not the same right. vibe. Yeah, there's, um, there's definitely connection here. And yes. I was going to say Margot was one of the handful of, uh, ladies that was brought immediately to test with absolutely um, and it, it it just works and so she's going to bring up peter pan and for me this is again richard donner and the writers and everyone giving you a nod when you go why should i care about superman superman did you grow up liking peter pan uh twenty thousand leagues under the sea uh grim's fairy tales whatever stories you grew up liking mm-hmm. It all is a mythology and a mythos, just like Peter Pan. That cutscene right there where they're about to take off is still used today. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you ever watch the making of your Flash, your uh, your Supergirls, or your, you know, anywhere they need to do something, it's a it's a pan shot. It Ex- basically yep. takes, it, it's, a, it's a stop cut where they, and, and beautiful Christopher Reeves bows yep. his shoulders down, then pops up, and they cut. Yep. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, again, now this is going to be the love theme from John Williams. Amazing. Uh, he does, you know, we'll just keep heaping praise because that's, uh, John Williams. John Williams deserve, we could do every podcast that features him. We should just talk about him the whole I time. Mean, he I mean, he deserves it. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And I love, and I think honestly what they did is they put them in a room and they projected a lot of these into green screen. Yes, it was a and, blue screen at the time. Yeah, and what yeah, they yeah. did is they had it was a matte blue screen, and they pull in and out. Um, and and it was up to Christopher Reeves to kind of like yeah mimic make it, yep. how he's doing that, and then they just blow wind in their face like crazy. And then there you and go. Even if you, as you look at this now, I don't care. You can tell me it's hokey. That is incredible work. That is, it it's works. Incredible work. That's how it would look. That's how it would feel. Exactly. Oh, does this feel a lot like Iron Man that we just watched in the podcast? Exactly yes. right. Yes, it does. I wonder why. Yep, exactly right. They're just and, showing off. This is uh, where you show off your cool um, cine- cinematography effects, your exactly. CGI. Yep. This is the big effects stuff that they had to work mm-hmm. on. But it's worth it for this. Cut and it's for clouds. a love. Excellent. And it's, and it's a love scene. Mm-hmm. Um and so now uh, we're going to be heading into one of uh, my big things that I want to talk about I'm on this. Hold, I have to move back because uh, Zach's pulling out his soapbox. Here. I'm going to bring out my rant. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest moments in this movie that has been uh, uh, parodied and talked about and made jokes of is this moment that's going to be coming yes. up here about being uh, hokey and over the top with um, uh, Can You Read My Mind? But you got to think about this movie and how it's set up, and they're trying to sell Superman from the very beginning of this movie to people who 
um, don't know who Superman is and maybe don't even want to know who Superman is. That back in the seventies, like Richie said, they were fighting that that vibe. So they're trying to do that. And Lois Lane has found out that he can fly, he can do all these crazy things. She doesn't know he's an she found out that he's an alien tonight. She doesn't know that he cannot read um uh her mind. So she's trying it out like a good reporter should. Now all the other stuff is her heightened emotion. She's falling in love with him. She's opening up herself. Of course, all that is happening too. But when people go, why do we have the cheesy um, line readings and her talking over? It's because we, as the audience, are like her. We're finding out about Superman. And we're also um, learning about her. Mm -hmm. um, all while she's trying to figure out, can this alien read my mind? So it's kind of, again, all... Um, this is why this works for me. This is why I've never thought this was a really cheesy or, or a too cheesy scene or whatever. Because she's trying to get to the bottom of it. She's trying to figure out if he's an alien. And she's and he, he doesn't seem to be reacting. So she's saying the stuff like, I'm talking to myself going, I can't believe this. I love this guy. He's so hand All that stuff. And we get to hear it. But she's also trying it out, you know, because he's not going, you're right, Lois, you're, you do look nice this evening. Yes. Okay, if she did that, then she could write down that he has the powers to read the mind. And is that crazier than um, laser beam eyes or freeze breath or, or flight? It isn't. And that's kind of the vibe, that verisimilitude, that truth. She's a reporter going, I am in the air with this hot, sexy man, and he can do all these crazy things. So let me also think to myself... Can this guy read my mind? And I'm also going to talk as a human about, you know, this is amazing, this is crazy. I so, am so again, in space with an alien. Things are going on in my head. Exactly. Let's and that's this. what this is, that scene and is. And if you want my take on it, more inner monologue in comic book movies. I think it would be fun. I'm so annoyed that they, they hide away from that. Uh, again, a bird just flying almost into them. That realism. Another thing that was interesting is that you'll see, if you look closely, you'll see that there's... There, Outfits almost shine and glow. Yes. They found out that the costume worn by the Kryptonians that were made from that glass, yeah. uh, they actually reflect on their own, right? Mm -hmm. So they light up the scene by accident. So they cut all those little pieces and they glued tiny pieces of it in Soup's cape, in, his, in her shirt. That's so awesome. So as yep. they're filming, when Smart. you see that highlight, it's actually the suit Suits, itself that's great. doing that. That's so great. it's less work. To do I, that is great. Yeah, and that's that's how in depth and they thought about this to make this all work. They used every trick, and that's that's another reason why people say why is this movie so important. They used every trick. They invented new tricks. They did a lot of things to make this feel as realistic as possible. And at the time that this came out, everyone's like, "Superman's real. He can fly. This is all real." Mm -hmm. And you had to use every trick in the book. This is great, yeah. Are you okay checking on her? But she's just all crazy. But then we're going to meld into Clark's going to be showing up. And the great change <laughs> with her. change, yeah. Change it's... with her, the change with him. Um, it's it's just uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, and if you've seen a lot of GIFs, uh, they're going to be using a super, you know, you see the Christopher Reeve GIF of him changing his posture. Uh, the, the, one of the best scenes coming up right here. He shows up. <laughs> and instantly you're like, oh, this is a different person. Yes. Uh, it, another scene where you... This is actually... Um, this is an important scene because what it does is it it 
it helps the actress playing Lois, right? Yes. Lois is an incredibly intelligent person, and it needs to be a masterful portrayal, a portrayal of different characters, you know? Yes. That way she doesn't look like a bumbling idiot the whole time. No, exactly. Glasses are not the only thing that are hiding this facade. Exactly. It's Uh, everything. Exactly. Which we're going to see right here. You see... And then just right here, you can see him changing it. Turns and, into soups right there. And the music and his voice changes and everything changes. Oh. And this is all him. Yeah, this is what Christopher Reeve brought to the table. <laughs> and there it is. That's it drops the, right back to Clark. And uh, there, and that's how you can. That's how this worked. This movie worked right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's Clark nice. <laughs> and it it helps that she's still like I was just flying in the sky. Yes. Like and and just such a crazy night. Absolutely. Then we cut to now she's written the article and everyone's reading it. Mm-hmm. Hacking's hair is on a level again. So good. Uh, we're going to be introduced to Kryptonite here, and uh, the original origin of Kryptonite was the actor for Superman wanted to take some time off because it was a everyday 15-minute uh, show, right. uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. So on when he wanted to go show. on the radio show, yeah. so when he wanted to go on vacation, they needed a reason, and somebody came up with a piece of his home world. And he, they would hire another actor to moan and groan in another room while he's trapped with kryptonite. Uh-huh. And then the guy would go away for two weeks. And that's how they introduced Batman, actually, into the um, uh, radio show as well, uh, into the Batman and Superman mm-hmm. show. Uh, but that's where uh, kryptonite came from, and the people from DC saw that and put it into the comics. So, actually, uh, kryptonite is officially from the uh, radio show, and it's still into Superman's mythos today. It's so. one of the biggest... I mean, kryptonite is used in just vernacular of, like, language. Like, yep. you know, oh, that's your kryptonite. Uh, you know what that means. Before computers, uh, you had to have a huge library with a ladder that you could look up your information. This was the this was the sign of someone that would basically do Google searching back uh, in the 70s. This is, we are watching a long Google search seed right now. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Solid burn. Solid That's, burn. It's so good. Um, and like we said, that was such a good, like, realistic uh, bird. Mm-hmm. Miss Tazbacher. <laughs> Yavol. Uh, and Gene Hackman was 48 years old when he did this movie, man. Can you believe that? I, I just can't. That's crazy. And, again, Voila. Yeah, as, <laughs> as, you, as you pointed out, the... Everybody being very real. They're taking this very seriously here. Um, they're showing you that there's work involved. Yes. Of trying to find a weakness for this person. Exactly. And again, showing that Lex is a man of materials. He has wealth. He has many bridges. And, and, he's, and he is setting up to meet Superman. 
he's not going, oh, I'm gonna just going to beat him and just start shooting at him within the first 10 minutes. He's trying to get this kryptonite and get a plan going before ever talking to Superman. His hubris is fire. Not because, again. Yep, not because are, of the lead. We've already, we've already told you. He has another weakness. Yep. Exposition, especially in the 70s, was kind of in your face. They were definitely making sure that you didn't miss it. Yes. But what happens with that type of exposition, especially in this era, is you leave and you think you're, you feel smarter. You know? You're like, I know about Superman. Yes. And it's because they kind of spoon-fed it to you a little bit. Yeah. And that's okay. Sometimes you need that. Yep. Exactly right. I know that you hit this every time. When you and I start talking about superheroes and comics if people are like tell me a brief story about why rebirth happened you and i can get their eyes to roll in the back of their head yes and this is it's a very smart smooth way of letting you go into exactly comic book nerdum which can be a little daunting it can be a little daunting yes but but when you do it like this and it all needs to Again, the the writing, the dialogue, everything's going into the plot, the characters, the theme, the, you know, it's not just there just for humor or laughs. It's always to show you humor laugh and how evil Lex is. Humor laughs, how silly Otis is. Humor laughs, how um, the uh, um, uh, Miss Tessmacher is willing to get her hands dirty for Lex's stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and now this is a uh, 70s joke here. Yes. <laughs> uh, we, we're going to just say that. And the... Um, Actor is Larry Hagman from I Dream of Jeannie. Oh. Um, also was Jr. in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So if you go, oh, who's this sergeant guy? Um, Big yeah. name. In the um, 70s. Yeah, this is his little cameo. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Looks very much like Marilyn Monroe there. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> and this is yeah again very 70s about very face 70. um <laughs> but again uh and now why would lex have him go in and do the uh, <laughs> right, right. uh but that's just to set up again the seed later and i love that he wrote it on his arm mm-hmm. <laughs> it's huge huge <laughs> huge, huge numbers <laughs> sharpie that's so good And this is Lex in a different wig. So in this in this continuity, it seems like Lex is not on the front page of papers or anything. He's no, just this but he's a underground criminal, yeah. criminal kind of thing. Yeah. A Hawaiian shirt in overalls. I just want to need to call that out because I see it too. That's. I thought she was dressed crazy. He's he's taking he's the even cake. yeah. His outfits I, might be worse than Hackman's wigs. Maybe. I, oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I don't trust you. <laughs> love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love this. And anybody who's ever managed anybody has had this moment. Can we be real with that? Yes. If you've ever told somebody they've come back and you're like... Mm, that doesn't That doesn't feel... That doesn't sound right what I told you at all. Yes. No. 
Oh. Oh, gee, boss. Oh, gee. Classic. Of course, Otis messed up. We have to go back. Yes. Uh, well. <laughs> they, great. He literally just leaves to go whoop his ass in the, in the, in the back in of the van while that, the car's driving. It's so good. With a missile behind it. No big deal. Uh, uh, I will say while this goes down, yes. uh, more scenes, but uh, this the response, the critic response of this film was uh, really positive. Basically, yeah. uh, from 12 critics, it basically got like a 93%. Mm, very good. I'm sorry, not 12, 74 critics gave got it around 90%. So Nice, yep. It, it was a hit. There were no problems. Like, we can, we can tear it down being 30 years away from it, but uh, honestly, this movie was... It's it, it was the zeitgeist, class. yeah. And honest, I think it's still there, is. and and it's one of those things where like, uh, and we brought it up. We're we're talking a lot about comics, but a lot of filmmakers. This was a huge movie for them too, and it's not like oh they're Superman fanatics and they go and buy comics all the time. But mm-hmm. there are some great big, you know, Guillermo del Toro, Christopher the, Nolan. Now we get the badass lady scene. Yes, where she gets we get to, the smart yep, one to do it. The, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should which have had it I done lo- in the first place. Exactly, like, which I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also love the 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 shot, you know, guy checking, just as she, yeah. and that's again very realistic, but also very fun. And yes, now she's gonna get it right. Yeah, uh, Miss Tessmacher, she's great. She is still with us. Yeah. Uh, recently, there was a big story about her uh, uh, in in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. She has a live-in friend who's been helping her for like twenty years. Awesome. There's a crazy big story. You have to go read about it, but it's I'm pretty definitely cool. Definitely going to yeah. check that out. Yeah. And she's like in her 80s or 90s or something now. Roger Ebert gave this film four stars. I'm, I, I agree. Though he described the Krypton scenes as ponderous. <laughs> <laughs> um, look at that. Back in the day when you had to do an interview, cassette recorder and a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, um, going on in the background, someone yes. is buying all this land. Who is it? We're going to find out who that is as the audience. Um, in a little bit. Uh, Ebert also just said that um, he praised Reeve, stating that he sells the role. Wrong casting here would have sunk everything. Which, Ab- yeah. yes, Ebert, you <laughs> seem to know what you were talking about, because I agree completely. Absolutely. If you watch this film and don't fall in love with Christopher Reeves, you're a cold ice person, and yeah. I don't really want to associate myself <laughs> with you. Yeah, ice person is pretty, yeah. yeah uh, the day, I was in high school when he passed, and I spent the entire day, ru- oh, yeah, it was. So, like, this is a gentleman that was represented in 78, so it's not like we can say, like, it was for us. No, you know, no, but, but when I grew he, up with him too. Yeah. And it's he, just like, ugh. when, when his tragedy happened, I was devastated. Still oh, yeah. am. It's still just an awful situation. 100%. Um, but he, uh, you know, but he'll always be remembered forever. Superman and he'll live on immortality. So that's pretty oh, yeah. cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I love the scene, uh, Perry and, uh, Clark again, it's always great to have a Perry and Clark scene. There's some great ones in comics before. Uh, I think that it's not needed, but I think if you do a good one in a movie, it's uh, it's something very nice. Humility. <laughs> I love that. And now the scene that scares me and my dog every time that we watch this. Uh, awful, yeah. I love this movie, but this is the only time where I forget about it. I, I mean, I know it's going to happen, yeah. but I'm sitting here and I'm going, uh-huh, and then it goes, Bing! Yeah! <laughs> 
But again, I love this. How is Lex Luthor going to contact him? Is he going to blow up something? Is he going to make a big uh, spectacle? No, he wants to do it on his terms, under his own um, stuff, and this is how he figured it out. He figured out that Superman probably has super hearing, along with his super other abilities, like strength and, and vulnerability. So... Uh, he got the kryptonite from earlier, setting up the, the rock and the meteorite. And now we're heading into the third act where everything's coming together, the big action, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. The villain, everything's going to start melding. Real, and um, real quick just about, brilliant. Real quick about uh, Perry, um, Jackie Cooper yes. here. Um, do you know how he got his, his acting career here? Do you uh, know how he got the part? I'm trying to remember. I... <laughs> it's, it's really simple. He had a passport. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> Keenan Wynn, who was originally cast to play Perry, okay, um, uh, had actually uh, didn't Great. have a passport and couldn't go well, to London. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's and a problem. So him having a passport and being on set got him the part. That's awesome. Yeah, hit Superman flying next to the buses and mm -hmm. across. That's uh, that's all great. This all this is all needed. Bum -ba -da. Love that. So good. Lex and nobody's Superman on top. And I love that he's he has to go search for him. He's got to go find him. Um, uses his, but and the thing I like is that there's so much subtlety in this movie. Yeah. Even though people call it over the top, cheesy, whatever, there is some of that. But again, that was the time and and the place of who we are as people back then too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the realism just is you know they, he doesn't talk about oh Superman scoured every underground lair. We know he has superpowers and that's how he found Lex Luthor. Let's get Correct. on with it. Yep. And this is this is a uh, soups uh basically this is Lex testing Superman's yes. abilities. Yes. You know, he's being very smart. Exactly. He's, which is perfect Lex. He's <laughs> Mr. Luthor uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a scene where he actually walks through a hallway, right? Is that in this one or is that a different one? I think that's a different one. Okay, but but no, but you're right. Yes, it's open. <laughs> Take the gentleman's cape. I don't think he wants me to. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, so good. See, and now again, we're having fun. It's all fun. There's coconuts and all that. But then when it's real, the villain the, and the... This is real. This, this is, is this is this is played very, very real right here. Yes. Um, every The stakes are high. The Things are happening. The plan is in motion. Mm -hmm. um, Lex has set this together in the background while we've been going on the Superman journey. Yeah. He it, it didn't just happen out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Again, architecture is insane in this. Every, every shot is on purpose. I mean, this is the movie when I t this is the movie as a kid when I went and asked my mom about uh, le land and real estate. I was like, "What is the why is that important to grown ups and people?" <laughs> yes. And oh, it's tied to money. Oh, it's tied to power. Blah. All that and this that inkling came from a kid seeing this movie. I remember that right here. And this is a real thing that Lex is actually talking about, is the Titanic. If his plan worked, yeah. he would have 
controlled the world. Not in just like a crazy maniacal, I'm going to sit on a throne of skulls. No, he would be like the biggest land developer in the world, and he would have trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. Honestly, that is the most Lex Luthor motivation that I can think of in any movie that we have from here on out. Yes. So so the, when people say, oh, this is a hokey plan, yes, it's probably not going to work. But with the Superman ability, he's going to try this hokey thing, and Superman is a, has the ability to stop, stop him. It. Yes. But the idea of it, if it's actually worked, if it, if there was no Superman and he actually... He would have been the um, most uh, powerful man in the world. And that's what makes the, the realism in it. Even though it isn't real, there is realism in there. Mm-hmm. The only, See, which is true, scientifically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The only deal, the only change that you could make if you were to put this up with today, is Lex would do it under different companies, and his yes. face would be planted on like correct. Yes, he would have like he would also probably have like a a faux like crisis group yes. that you could go to. And exactly. Like yeah. No, but he That's would it. have his own Twitter, That's his own. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's incredible. Otisburg, I love this. It's a bitty bitty place. A little bitty place. And you know that, again, you saw in your mind, you see him in the middle of the night writing Otisburg and Sharpie. And I love Ned Beatty here is like trying to be all tough and mighty next to Superman the entire time. Christopher Reeve absolutely not doing anything with this scene and still almost stealing it by being present, you know? He's doing exactly what Superman should be doing. Exactly. Which is just standing there, letting Lex talk his way through all of his plans, because clearly yep. there's no way Well, he that's can the stop villain. Him. And again, and people point out to that, and when he's going to be talking to Luther here in a minute, that this is the big villain telling him his speech plan, which is in comics, and it is part of superhero storytelling. But again, like in Watchmen... It's already happened. The plan is already in motion. He started it days ago. This isn't a, oh, I'm going to do this. You're not strapped again to the the rope that's going to lead you into the pond that has the sharks with lasers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This thing is already on its way. It's already going. That's why I'm telling you. And that's why I think it's a good villain monologue. Sir, our Cheers guy. Yep, uh, John Ratzenberger from Cheers. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is the uh, Toy Story. Also Toy Story. Yep. We have two Toy Story vets in here. We do, we do actually. The viewing <laughs> There's just something about the cinematography of it all that I yep. I constantly get brought into the lamps in this scene specifically. I love when he yells. It's so funny. Anyway, uh, no, but you're right. Listen, no, that's the that glow on the the lights, mm-hmm. the the pulling out the the larger than life, the red. He's making well, and that the the background shots are actually set so you can actually appreciate when he's flying. Yes, it doesn't seem as crazy. No, because not everybody's in the forefront of the lens. They yep. actually get and it's not back. in weird positions. Correct. It looks beautiful it, it and real. Distance yep. and depth within the scene. So when he's flying, you're like you're used to that kind of shit. Exactly. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> and then him, uh, and again playing into the uh, the Superman of it, uh, mm-hmm. he knows he's going to use his. Oh. <laughs> Don't touch that. He says. Uh oh. Oh, here it is. Been exposed. I told you. 
And again, and I love that because that is Lex Luthor figured out nobody else in the you know planet for hundreds of years figured out this rock that uh, came from his home planet can uh, hurt him. <laughs> and again, here we see, like you've been talking about, we've been talking about through the whole film, Hackman slipping into the coldness. Listen to this monologue. He's just like really carrying the sinister. He's like, cool, like, yeah, he re- really wants to kill Superman, and that's serious for him. Mm-hmm. Not talking to, you know, Miss Tessmacher or Otis about In our whatever. original 500-page script, this is going to be hokey as yes. all get out. Yep. And they just... So instead, we get the hokey background, the gaudy, unnecessarily gaudy underground base, yep. which is giving you the sense of, of, I guess, like, campy. Yes. But it, what's happening in that scene is, is very real. Just brutal. Yep. Yeah. Still talking to what's potentially a dead man. <laughs> yep. It's just cold. Well, and I love this scene because Miss Tessmacher stays um, back, and we find out that her character is a sociopath. Yeah. She cares about the people close to her, and she didn't think about right here. Mm-hmm. This is great. This is villainous. He got, not anymore. <laughs> gold. That's, that is gold. But that shows her um, that she is a she cares about people that she cares about, and she right. starts caring about Superman because it's, of her mom and because of but until now she's been okay with this plan yeah blow it all up and that's Fine. what that's what the textbook definition is and that's to show how that's what her fault is she's a a brilliant smart sexy lady this scene but i think that she Brian singer a, probably yeah. should have watched oh because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> soup is really struggling trying to get this necklace off of his chest that is one of the things i'm gonna say as a superman fan there's so many times with when he when kryptonite happens he doesn't remember how to breathe where he's like how do my nostrils work i'm like just make him sick make him yeah, Ill. ill he doesn't have to be like are these my hands <laughs> but they do that i, I under- can't swim <laughs> i don't know how yes yeah i mean fair's fair he grew up in kansas sure so there's sure. not a lot of sure but I'm assuming but that is my only once. personal gripe is that like I wish they've done it sometimes in other shows and movies and TV and comics, but sometimes they do it where they're like, I don't know how to walk. And it's <laughs> like, I think he could stumble two feet. Mm-hmm. Yes. This. Yeah. Yeah. Again. What about Lois or Jimmy? I don't, she I doesn't know who they are. Yeah, I don't care uh, about your mother. <laughs> Again, that was for us, the audience, but for Miss Tussbacher, it's like it's like me going Richie, Samantha, and and and, and Bob. Like, no, not them. And, and, and Richie'll go. I don't know who those people what, are. What I don't know why you're about? yelling them at me. But um, okay, sure. But I love, but you know, that again, like you said, it was to get everyone to realize that he has to make a promise that he has mm-hmm. to put aside what he cares about, which is Lois and Jimmy. Yes. Even though. Yeah, I can't take this. I, I, <laughs> I can't take it off. <laughs> but I get it. It's, it's. No, I, I actually. It's fun. It's I fun. like this part. Yes, yes, yes. I was referring to when. Earlier when he's. Brian yeah. Singer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Has him lift a planet of kryptonite, like a continent. Yeah. And this guy can't get a chain off his neck. He can't even, yes, move his arms. Yes, exactly, yeah. Good throw. Very good throw. Is... Very cool little shot there. <laughs> and then again, more with Miss Tessmacher, 
Um, she wants to get with the good guys, but she never does. And that's her story. That's something happening in the background with her. She's a fully rounded character. And, a, and again, this is uh, this leads to the progression of these comics. Like, uh, Superman famously is pretty progressive on its own on as a, a lot comic of stuff. book. Yes. And then here in '78, we have uh, women empowerment and things like that. Absolutely. She absolutely could have just been the femme fatale. Oh yeah. Yes, yep. there was a. a a bit of a scene there and, and there she is playing that archetype so that's why they got a beautiful woman correct. yes but, but they give you character development at the end for no there we don't need that scene outside of the fact that she's going to free superman yes but and to give, give her, her more depth they give her depth and it wasn't necessary and, and just, but that's donner that's uh that's Mankowitz, that's all these people coming together and um that's why you need to have good storytellers working on superhero movies. You can't just get a guy who did car commercials right. because it may look good, but you got to have these heartful, real moments to make this all work. Because that is what comic books have always done: is yes. try to represent and expose and heighten yeah, real heighten. light, real exactly. life stuff, but with using stories like this. And this is the big one. Um, this isn't just um, Lex's plan, but the the mythos, you know, East Coast big one, the big one's going to hit one day and all of San Francisco and all of California's going to... So this is, the big one does happen in this movie. The worst thing that everyone says will, you know, destroy America and the world if it really did happen. Yeah. They use it in this movie as Superman stops it, saves the day, right. and this is to, and to show you how great he is that... Um, but 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 if on paper Lex Luthor is ending the world right here, almost yeah, half yeah. of the world, yeah. millions of people, he's he is cool killing. With, he's cool with millions dead because he will get billions in dollars. Exactly, he's fine. But the way that it's shot and the way that it's done—that's that hopefulness that Superman's going to come kick butt. This right here with the projector—it's great. Mm -hmm. um, but the realism again—that verisimilitude is—is yes. um, is always there Held all the way through. Always through him. <laughs> that's great that's that's fantastic uh and again we're we're looking at some hokey cg but, but i mean back for the day yeah how do you get a missile tier it's unreal yep and i love i love the give it a little i love this song and this was a new song when this movie was made that's that is correct <laughs> it's a hit that's putting you into modern times that's, that's like hitting that's like putting on some uh um, megan the stallion or something yes, today yes Yes, exactly. We don't sound like old men. You guys still listen to The Weeknd? That's what <laughs> Kelly Clarkson? What? <laughs> um, again, and then the flying scenes in space showing that he has to go really high to get somewhere quick. And then, um, for me, yeah. I still love these effects. I love the, the photography, the orange, the tinfoil, all like that all underneath. It, yes. It's so fun. For me, it still works, even though it looks hokey. What I love I, that that is him. What I appreciate doing about that. this scene, okay, um, what I appreciate about the ending of this in general, yes. is they were trying to figure out how to close out a Superman film. Yes, and they just went epic. They tried to go the biggest they possibly could, yep. and have one single man bring it all back together. Okay, yep. uh, is it over the top? Sure. Is it a little, a little crazy? Sure, but like. What they're doing here is having Superman fight the planet. Yes. That is, if that's not Superman, I don't know what Exactly it is. right. Exactly. And the contentious, the other contentious scene that's going to be coming up here in a minute. Yeah. For me, I'm just going to talk about how that to me is an homage to the Silver Age. Yes. And in the Silver Age, you don't know, Superman, 
literally the editor at that time, Mort Weisinger, the editor of the Superman books through most of the 50s and the 60s, basically said, he's Superman, tell me a story with Superman, he can do anything you want. So if you go, well, I need my story to have Superman use his eyes to turn cars into giant coconuts, then you can write that story. Right. Um, and that was probably a comic book in there. Some of them are great, some of them are not so great from the yeah. Silver Age, mm -hmm. but back then Superman could literally move a planet. There's a story where somebody says, oh, it'd be great if the sun didn't explode and we weren't near it, and he goes, cool, and he pushes it, and it's like one page, and that's it. So that's kind of that homage, that he can do something that incredible, turn mm -hmm. back the world sort of a thing. Yes. Um, less of that nowadays. They brought more of that realism. People kind of latched on from this movie. More realism, more heart, more of the romance. And you see that from 78 onwards. Yes. But back here, they still are trying to get the, how is he going to, he's going to put the San Andreas Fault back together. Yeah. He's going to turn the world around to save somebody. Those are very fantastical things, but they're still trying to make we, it all yeah, work. We, there is a... There's a progression to our storytelling, especially in the comic book world. And it began, especially with basic comics in the 30s, basically your hero would tell you everything they were doing. Like, I'm going to ball my fist up yes. and then punch you in the face. Yes. Even though they were kind of illustrating it at the same exactly. time. Exactly, you could see it, um, yes. And then the Silver Age happened and they were, they were doing... Different things that stories you could never but... see anywhere else. Yes, right? anything, and whatever you're. I, yes. as a as a person that loves pop culture, um, I attribute that to the way that we can do fantastical ideas and things like that. Now, yes. they had to go the ludicrous before we kind of like hone it down and. Yes. Um, Basically, it's the anchor of believability. And, and that's where you get, like, um, there were stories where Superman went back in time and met his family. Right. Well, those stories worked in a kind of a poignant way, so they figured out better ways in sequent in subsequent years. Mm -hmm. John Byrne era, uh, you know, the 2000s, whatever. Grant Morrison, whoever you want to pick from. How to go, okay, so let's use the bottled city of Candor and those Kryptonians. And if you meet people that are from your heritage that you're never supposed to meet again, that's some poignant storytelling. Right. So they so they take the gems out of the Silver Age. Yes. And they bring some of the craziness. Like everyone had animals during the Silver Age. Right. Now yeah, yeah. now we now use that as the knowledge and love of animals. Superman has Crypto. Batman has Ace the Bat Hound. Yeah, yeah. Um whoever you Super know Super Pets is a movie now. Exactly. Yes. But but the heart of that is just saying that our superheroes also care about people, are open-hearted, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so nowadays people can do that better. Back then it, it was, was it can be, it was, was very funny, blatant. You know? Yes. And I think that that's what the spinning the world is. That is exactly so, right. So, so, if you, so if you're watching this for the first time going, what's happening now, he's spinning the world, that's the context. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe. Um, in today's world, I think you would cut that out, but back then you, 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 you needed to do, do that. Yeah, you absolutely do. And, and but... For me, I think that what you're, I think the biggest lesson one is watch the freaking cinematography. Yes, here, and the okay? miniature effects, yourself, like all this yeah, stuff right here. Put yourself into '78. Do yourself a favor and take away the the mask of all the time you've been here and the wonderful tools and and all the computers and all that. Okay? Yes. Try to go back then and do this with basically uh, it's the classic. I will. This use is it. miniature. Somebody actually. I will always use this as the Iron Man line. Tony Stark did this in a cave. <laughs> with a box of scraps. With a box of scraps. That's exactly how you should look at this kind of concept. Exactly. They didn't have the computer technology. No. They had cameras 
tricks and miniatures. That's yep. it. That's and how it. do you make that feel real, feel majestic, now, and feel Superman? And pull that. So once you get up out of that, now take it into the story. Okay. Yes. Superman has lost. Yes. We are supposed to lose all hope. And if exactly. you watch, now we're in the seventy eights, and that's fine. But we have been into movies for let's call it a good thirty years. Oh yeah. Oh, Solid. Yeah blockbusters have come out oh, yeah, we know good storytelling and uh, we've godfather's seen already come out we've seen disaster movies we know the hero is going to win at the end well how are we going to give you something different correct how about we kill our main character and make superman lose we, we make superman lose and you go oh my god there is no hope yep and what is the real superman moment is when he, he brings hope in a hopeless situation. he says yes and i was gonna it bring that up done. uh um, I watched this with subtitles the other night, yeah. and I noticed for the for the first time something I hadn't noticed is that even throughout um, what's going to be happening here when he spins the planet, Jarrell keeps yelling or saying in the background, "Very," it says, "Forbidden, forbidden, yeah, you're not forbidden." To do this. Yeah. And they keep saying that, and this is the moment where Superman finally goes out for himself and says, "I don't care what my dad says. I don't care what anybody says." I'm going to do the right thing, and that's going to bring back the love of my life because if, he can't survive without it. If you're it. asking, would they do the same story now? Okay, I would argue they would. Mm, yes, they wouldn't. They wouldn't create it to where he's basically spinning it, but he would do something where he rewind time. Sure. Yes. And that, and then later, or, someone else would take that right, and then that would be a, a consequence to it. Yes. And he'd have to fight that consequence. Exactly. And it's actually. Hilariously, the exact same story we are going to go see in a film that's coming out at the time that's, of this recording called Flash. That's really funny, but you're right. You Cause, yes, because he's gonna go back in time and gonna, yep. change it. And what's gonna happen is it's a consequence that he's gonna have to deal with later. Yep, exactly. Um, and I think probably that's probably what is missing from this movie to modern movie going audiences mm-hmm. is that there's not a price. Somebody Dorel doesn't show up and say, "Cool, now Zod's going to be broken out of the Phantom Zone, <laughs> right. or you unleash Brainiac, or um, somebody else right. is going to die because you did Correct. this." It just he gets Lois he back. Just gets it. But but that but the same message of what you said correct. earlier is there. That is the point of that the scene. The point is not that there is a price. The point is even that, in the lowest moment, Superman will find the power and uh, find a way to win. I believe Tom to, King, who's a writer of comic books, so great. Yeah, he wrote. He asked, like, someone asked him, how strong is Superman? And he said, Superman is as strong as you need him to be. Yes. Superman's truest power is plot armor. He is supposed to take you away from all those problems, like, in a a murder mystery or something, or even, like, Breaking Bad, something that I love. Yes, yes. What you do is you put your character in a situation, and then you find a way to get them out. Yes. Superman breaks those walls down yes. and just does it. Exactly. He need if if you go yep. like, well, he can only lift a car in this scene, but he lift a, a ship over here. That is because that is what was needed yes. to make sure you have a happy ending. Yes. Superman's power is you're going to live And he's a willing happy to life. die yeah. for um to do the right thing and to do, is, so whatever that be, is. Everything will be okay. Yeah, so whatever that is, turning back a planet, taking a bullet, dying from kryptonite, whatever it is. However the story unfolds, that is a very basic Superman thing, and that's what they were doing here. So whether or not if you like the execution, the the that needs to be in there. Superman needs to fight um, against all odds for something that he loves and cares for. And so that's what this is here. But, I, but again, very brutal, very dark, her being suffocated by 
dirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's brutal. And and another thing, like I can, there have been things that I have witnessed and watched where I'm like, oh man, I could write something better, you know. But when I think about the writers' room here, I can see everybody going, "This is what happens," you know. Yep. And then people will go, "But what about the physics and the science and blah blah blah?" And I'm like. No, it has to be the heart of it. The foundation the, of believability of yep. was set in place here quite early. Yep. And physics did did not come into play at no. all in this movie. Physics, ever. He's Superman. He flies. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, what is the one thing the one thing that you don't want your main superhero? What is the one thing that we didn't want to see Superman do, and that was lose, and he's losing right here. Yeah. Now he finds out a way to win, and that what makes him Superman. Correct. But Absolutely. that's but you need to have this in here. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Reeves acting here is just uh, you know, you feel that he is distraught that she's dead, and that's the that's the it's being fragile with her. It's it's wonderful. It's yeah. So yes, we agree. It can be it's, a little over a the top. Yes. It's over the top, but it if you look at who the character is, it does work. And it needs to be there, because you can't just have him save the day. And he did save the day. He saved the world, but he couldn't save something that, that he cared for so much in his heart. And that's kind of the heart of Superman stories. Yeah, in today's world, Lois stays dead, and then he kind of goes into a whole, like, I have Injustice, to be a crazy. Person. He yeah, goes yeah, all, yeah. yeah. This, this is a gift moment if you're uh, a Twitter or somebody on Facebook. Anything, yep. But, again, what were you not expecting to see coming into this movie? If you were a kid and I go, Superman's going to be right. more mad than he's ever been in his life, you're going to be like, why? What happened? Mm-hmm. And then here's another moment. Um, I don't think he's literally talking to him through the clouds. I think this is a metaphorical yeah. um, hearing his father. Yes hearkening back to all these things I can do. And this is all the the point of the movie. Throughout the movie, you can't do something just because you want it. And this time he's like, I saved the world. Everything's I need to save my, my love. Uh-huh. Yep. Here we go. And again, when you're talking about superheroes, especially at this time, they're very, very, very associated with kids and, and cartoons and, yep. um, and the seriousness that Donner's putting in this movie is giving it a validity that doesn't necessarily exist with comic book characters now, right? Yeah. So this scene is very cartoonish because obviously if you spin the planet backwards, you would cause devastating problems. It's not going to... Yeah, it's, it's not, not going to change back, back time. time. No. But what you say is, in a cartoonish way, this could be a superpower. Yeah. This, this, this lines up with everything they do from here on with Superman exactly. and his powers in the movie cinematic universe. Exactly. That's why in the next movie, whenever we get to Superman 2, mm-hmm. Lois Lane may get her memory wiped from a kiss. Yep. That is not he'll, anything in the lore. He'll throw but... a cellophane S in exactly. another movie. Like... But again, they're taking the, this guy is super, he can use he laser beams, he can fly. So if we need it for our movie and we need to have him fight a guy then we need to have him have a big right. shield. And I won't so. even go into the fact that there was also probably a time where they were like, we're not sure how to end this movie. And someone was like, you have till tomorrow or we're killing a $55 million project. Yes. And they just went, okay. all right, he, uh, can, he can turn back time. That's Done. Right. That's it. But And then I love this because we as the audience and him have been through that melancholy 
And so, so Lois here is just having a bad day and just unloading on us. Go, where are you? How dare you? And we're all like, you were dead. Yeah. Because not only did he turn back time, but he turned back time for a specific person. Not necessarily everything. Uh, he yeah, he broke the number yeah. one rule for yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And but this just so works between them because of that. And again, what you were saying, the um, one of the things that I loved about Spider-Man: No Way Home is the realism. If you meet other people of yourself, what does that look like? Right. If you bring somebody back from the dead. What does that look like? And that is what this is. And, and come I, on, Jimmy, what are you doing? What are you, <laughs> what, come on. What are, come on, man. But, you, I, but I, I stand on the ground, and you can yes. argue with me that you can't get to No Way Home unless you have that scene. Sure, absolutely. You have Superman no. do something so insane, like spin back time yes. of a planet. Yes, no, you have, yeah, you gotta, that, that's the thing with, with um, superhero sci-fi fantasy storytelling it's you want to get out of truth, but how do you get there? And what are she the steps? She is doing her thing. Being a good, de- that's that's Lois being a good reporter outside of how good Clark is doing. Exactly. Clark, yes. You know? And, yes, yeah, she cares about everyone. If, if he's lucky. He's lucky. Which is, uh, which is very Lois Lane. Here Love we are that. showing off our awesome flying scenes. Yep. And then here's the um, Lex Luthor scene, the Lex Luthor moment, and the uh, little button on the end of the movie to kind of just kind of give you one last... um... This was a giant crane on the top that they lowered them down into. Uh, Though there was a body double, Christopher Reeves did most of, if not all, of the crane work. Here it is. There you go. Otis of our time. He's serving to you. (laughs) It's so great. Yes. And again, anytime you're like, you clash with the writing or something like that, learn the history of your comic book, right? Yes. Read the 1930s versions of these. I promise you, these lyrics feel just unreal how good they are, comparatively. And this is iconic here. Richard Donner, the very end of the film... Have them fly off. Now, this uh, film was filmed at the same exact time as the second. Yes. You will find out that our father, Jarrell, is missing in the second movie. That yes. would be because, although he did make $14 million, he felt shortchanged, sued the uh, company and, and there's a whole million. And there's a whole backstory. Richard Donner is not the official director of two, even yep. though he did the uh, official initial photography, but they brought in another director for pickups and to make mm-hmm. two and three. It's a whole thing. But um, there it is, guys. Yeah. Uh, that was Superman 78. I am I am just, this is the third time watching it for me, and it's yep. just as good as it was. I love it. It's it's a classic film. I've seen it a billion times, and um, I'm just I'm just glad to have uh, been I'm, able to sit and watch this I again with you guys. I am happy there's not an end credit scene on this one, because the credits on this are obnoxiously And long. at the time that this came out, it was the longest credits of any movie at that time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like seven minutes. Yeah, and that's, um, that's a lot. But, it is. Uh, for those of you that enjoyed it, I, I I hope you watch this with a new lens of appreciating of where it came from and how it came to be and what it represents Absolutely. for the entire cinematic 
comic book universe. And and I think that's one of the reasons why we picked it earlier, uh, this early in this yeah. podcast, because uh, you can't talk about all the comic media that's come before, come after this movie, no. uh, unless we talk about this movie. So mm-hmm. uh, even though I am a Superman fanatic, um, is is a you know, and it is fun personally for me as a comic media historian as we're kind of doing this podcast Mm -hmm. tv shows everything this is one of the monumental watershed moments and i'm happy we got to watch it again so absolutely um, wonderful it will always be in my rotation absolutely top five um well thank you guys uh hope you appreciated it uh we're going to uh put on our stuff throw away our drinks and popcorn and we're gonna head out but um get out of here but it was wonderful we'll catch you guys next time and we'll uh see on the flip side see ya